everyone to episode 190 of the F Reality Podcast, a show that augments and virtualizes your life by bringing you the latest new in the VR and AR field. We have an interesting show planned out for all of you, talking about some new updates coming from uh, Oculus or Meta. I mean, everyone is kind of confused how to call them now, but I'm sure that we'll sort it out. Also, we have quite a bit of news in the field of augmented reality coming from Qualcomm and Niantic. We have a special guest on today's show that will give his finest impressions on AWE or AWE. I have no idea how to pronounce this thing because it's very hard for a non-native English speaker to pronounce this. If it has only three letters and two of them you don't pronounce, really hard. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's an XR conference that has just occurred in November. And of course, we got some very juicy releases to look forward to. But we'll give the details on those a little bit later. So first, let me introduce you to these fine gentlemen. First up, I learned this week that this country, unfortunately, is going through another lockdown. But fear not, people. This person is most experienced in roaming the streets of City 17, dodging headcrabs, barnacles, and antlions while developing a rather interesting relationship with someone called Jeff. It's our very own... Gordon Friesman, uh, Friesman, uh, it's Nathy. How are you doing? How are you Gordon, all out there? Gordon Friesman, Friesman, Friesman. <laughs> yeah. that sounds legit to me. Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I should announce my own metaphors by now. You know, <laughs> my own virtual civilization where lockdowns don't exist. That's that. That's yeah. my plan. No, but uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. I um, like there is a lockdown going on as we speak, but. I can still go somewhere and have fun. I um I went to a record yeah, that's good. store that's good. to um to get some uh, well some finals, and uh, it was amazing. It's like it feels like old school meets new school. Yeah, I, I, I saw <laughs> the pictures that you posted. Since you got the, I have to say, you have a, a very good taste in, in music. There, I saw some uh, Creedence yeah. Clearwater Revival. I saw yeah. the Doors, uh, the Birds. Yeah. Uh, look look at that! Look at those! Wow. I got a question for you, Nathy, though. Do you have a record player? I do have a, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I, I know, like, the, the funny part is, I like, I spoke to some of my, let's say, um, colleague generation friends, and they were like, oh, yeah, but, uh, so you can put these on the wall, right? I'm like, yeah, but you can also play them. <laughs> because a lot of people see it as pure decoration, you know, and it's something that you don't necessarily have to play. Um but it's it's great. I have like a, a record player that is like digital, so I just connect it to my computer and listen through my uh, headphones. It's also having this Bluetooth uh, function, so I can use my like uh, you know uh, wireless uh, speakers on my TV, and it also has like speakers on it, uh, like on the record player itself. So you can just put it wherever you want and listen to music. So yeah. it's a modern like uh, record player, but but it's amazing, and and it's like you know Spotify is great. But being able to actually, like, have to do the effort to buy, like, 10 songs for a lot of money. I, like, for the money I buy one record, I could have, like, six months off <laughs> Spotify, you know what I mean? But it's just, yeah, it, it's just the charm of it. And, and, and mm. it has a soul mm. to it. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of fun to collect that stuff, too. And just have it in your hands instead of, like, clicking with your mouse on the next song or swiping through your phone to find something. It's just... Mm. Yeah, it's just romantic in a way. You get you get bonus also points the, from me for audio immersion as a, as a as also your, yeah a, as as a, a specific highlight for the week. I think it's the first place where I first felt like I wasn't in my own space was music. Definitely, it, it can take you away. 
Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. You have to tell us which one's your favorite after a couple of weeks listening. Ooh, yeah, well, it's gonna it's gonna be hard. I mean, I'm still collecting, and it's kind of cool. Like this is a recommendation. I like I forgot the name. I think it's called Discogs. It's like an app where you can scan your uh, vinyls, add them to your collection as like a profile thing, and then you mm. can uh, become friends with others, see what they have, um, share mm-hmm. the music, or trade them or sell them. And there's also a, a map, a Google Maps thing, where you can see all the finals uh, over the world that are getting sold. So if you're looking for a certain thing, then you can see where it is. So sometimes it shows up like uh, United States and then uh, some kind of like store in, in, in the West. And it's kind of like, oh, cool. So I should go there to buy it. And you can just let them ship it to you or even like Tokyo and stuff. So I had like oh. a final of like Daft Punk and apparently there is a... Uh, a Japanese version of it too with a different kind of yep. cover. I was like, well, I want that one. So you can just find that through that app. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's yeah, it's a hobby. It's kind of yeah, nice. great. It's great to hear that you're you're finding some 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 things to do to pass the time when That's you're exactly in a yeah. in a in a, in a, well, in a situation that should be avoidable. <laughs> True. All right. Then uh the next guy that I'm going to introduce, the last time this guy went on a holiday was back in 2018. And this has nothing to do with the current pandemic, but with the fact that Skyrim then released on the virtual reality platforms. And now the anniversary edition has just released. So I'm honestly a little bit surprised that he made it to today's show instead of dragging Lydia into another so-called adventure. It's none other than Zimtok 5. <laughs> oh, man. Rowdy, you rowdy, doing, rowdy. You, you've, done, you've, you've, you've outdone yourself with that introduction. Thank you. <clears throat> the Lydia reference definitely took my breath away there for a minute. Um, so does she? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit in limbo uh, with Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim landed and it was pretty cool um, that they've launched a new version with new things. Obviously, someone's going to VR mod it at some point. Right now, it's not. So all it did was attract me back to playing again. So I went went along to my mod station and upgraded all these mods and launched the game and it wouldn't launch. And then it was broken for hours and I was like, shit, I just planned a stream and I, this isn't going to work. And I got it working, but then the stream had crashed. Oh my God, it was a bit of a nightmare. And even today I spent three hours trying to get it back to working. I was literally pumping the life back into my 300 hour save file, trying to get it back working, which I did. It's working. It's not quite stable, but um, it is working. So there's some hope yet. Um, but that's Skyrim. Um, I have like, that was one heartbreak and the other heartbreak we'll talk about a little bit later, which is something that Oculus did. Um, but in terms of highlights, I'd, I'd have to call out, um, probably, probably Arksmith, uh, which is an older game now. I mean, it, it l- launched several months back. Um, Maybe even last year? No, earlier this year. Oh, I think. no, it didn't. It, it's not even that long ago, but it just kind of had like a shadowy launch in a way. Yeah, it really didn't get much fanfare. And I can totally understand why, because the first like half hour, 40 minutes is kind of like a kind of slow paced tutorial. And basically, what you do in Arcsmith is you're putting together electrical components like a speaker, a power sink, sorry, heat sink, um, you know, power generator. And you try to build things in like 3D. And the cool the, the cool thing that really hooked me in a very much in a gadgeteer type fashion is that you have to put components together in a way that the the, the whole assembly isn't going to fail. And if it fails, it, it just kind of blows up, it smokes, all this kind of stuff. And so I got to the stage where 
like I'd assembled a radio and some other electronic gadget. But you have to like allow power to electricity to flow through the device in a certain direction. You know, have deal with thermal dynamics as well, like have a heat sink and things like that. So it just really caught my brain uh, in a, in a fun way. And it's one of those games that like what Nathie was saying, it, it didn't really launch with much fanfare. So I would recommend anyone who's like into not so much puzzle games, but more engineering type games. Like I would I would count. Um, Probably things like Wrench and um, yep. Gadgeteer in the, you need to engineer a solution. And it, it's kind of, it's somewhat freeform. It's not totally freeform, but it's somewhat freeform how you get to the end state. And it's fun and it's available on Quest. So um, check that out if uh, if you're in in the mood for uh, an engineering type game. Yeah, it's, It sounds like something that Mike would probably enjoy as well. I would think so. I, I'll bet you he bypassed it and he probably should... You know, spend spend a chunk of his his vacation away from VR uh, when he's back home. You know, to just kind of catch up on his email and then play a little Larksmith. There you go. Specific for Mike. Good choice. Good choice. All right. Uh, next up is uh, our special guest for today. It's uh, Eric Hartley. To many VR enthusiasts, he's a, a very familiar face, and he's also a good friend of the show for well, pretty much since the, since the very beginning. So. He's someone who's going from conference to, to gig to another conference. And this is kind of how Eric spends all of his free time. And he luckily still found at least a little bit of time to talk about his passion for VR on today's show. So have you been, mate? Uh, it, it, it's, it's a little exhausting to go from show to show to show. To be but, on this show. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, to, to be on, <laughs> You're very welcome. But, but, but to, be, to be on this show is, is a pleasure. Uh, I, I, I did spend three days at you can call it either awe or ah the the founder kept changing interchanging it uh which is it's it's augmented world expo they had it uh, out here in california uh for mainly people in the industry to network more than anything else but they had a excellent expo hall and a lot of really good presentations. So I found myself, of course, with the phone in the background, but I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> I found myself uh, really going through the motions of panel to panel to panel to panel on Tuesday and then rushing yeah. the expo hall on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, but I did also find some time to do some VR at home beforehand. Uh, nice. Two quick apps that I want to, Shout out uh, Shapes XR, which mm. is by the folks that uh, did Tavori. I think their company name is now Tavori. Uh, way back in the early Vive and CV1 days, that application was kind of a digital modeling and animation style application. Shapes XR is a little bit more simplistic. It's a prototyping and design app, but you can use it collaboratively. So. They have tons of different models and things of that nature that you can just drop in. Uh, I built a scene with like a little spaceship that I created. And then I had a guy seated already in the seated position, built a chair for him, put him in front of a table with a laptop and put a headset on him. So he was in that virtual world with the spacecraft, uh, which is <laughs> which is pretty cool. And it took like five minutes to do that. So it's, it's a very quick, iterative ideation machine, basically. Uh, I think it came out Thursday. Uh, there is, it's free, but there's also a subscription model for it. And then the other game that I played that was a lot of fun was Resist, a uh, new game from the Binary mm-hmm. Mill. 
that one is it starts out where you're swinging like Spider-Man essentially through a city. Uh, then you get a jetpack, and then I forgot all about the swinging because I love the jetpack. Uh, but, uh, you get a jetpack and you're, you're fighting for the resistance. And what I liked about it more than anything else was it's kind of got combinations of all those games that I've loved over the past five years. It's got really good, like directional flow for either using head or controller turn. It's got space pirate trainer style drones that pop up all over the place when you're on a grounded level. Just really well designed. That one reminded me of Megaton Rainfall. Just the yes. look of how uh, it plays. Yes. And it's been actually quite a few years now since we've had like a proper superhero-y game. So it's interesting to see those mechanics come back. But that studio keeps chewing through its ideas. And this is the latest one. Looks looks like it plays pretty smooth. And a lot of VR creators are talking well about it. So, And what, what platform is that game on? Is it only on Quest or is it uh, also I'm, for PC VR? I'm actually not sure. I played it on Quest 2. I don't know if it's Quest 2 exclusive or Quest and Quest 2. And I mm. I haven't checked to see if it's on PC or not. Yeah. All right, cool. That's cool. All right, thanks for sharing that. Uh, what about the chat, Nathy? Have they, uh, have they been up to anything special these past uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, so we have, uh, um, let me see, 10UK who has mostly been playing uh, Forza Horizon 5. That's not a VR game, by the way. Although, well, some people, like, I'm sure PD <laughs> has a way to do this again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, PD, PD approves with 4 packs, I guess. Um, but he also played some Assetto Corsa, that is in VR. Mm-hmm. And the Star Wars uh, Pinball uh, as well. Um, and then we have Dar's Angel, who um, dove into um, Hypercycle and Dreams. So... Dreams is this whole universe where people make their own experiences and stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's someone who made Hypercycle. And it, it's like like Tron uh, Light Cycles, but, but in VR. Wow. And it's epic AF. So, yeah. And then last but not least, we have Norman Robinson, who just wants to say greetings from the Bermuda Islands. Oh, and, so and Mike since, changes you with the name. No. Yeah, and, 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 and since this message, we have never heard of this man ever again. He disappeared. Like, it's completely radio silent. I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know. Yeah, so uh, there you All go. Right, great, great, great. And then uh, last but, well, hopefully not least, uh, my name is Rowdy. I am replacing Mike as host for today's show as he's currently on a little holiday. Many of you thought probably <laughs> that he was wearing a Halloween outfit last week, but... As a matter of fact, it was his holiday outfit, and he just had to leave straight off the bed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good, very, very I, I, you good. should be wearing that yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah you, you should. should be wearing Absolutely. that right now. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So uh, before we go into the most recent news, uh, I'll, I'll drop a quick word from our first sponsor for today's show, and that is VR Cover. So they make full replacement interface kits for a wide variety of different VR headsets that feel more than just a replacement, but are rather a very solid upgrade. All of us use their products on pretty much every headset that we own. They're easily swappable as they also have Velcro on them, which makes it very easy if you are demoing VR. They also make specific grips for your controllers that give you that knuckles feeling while you're still using your own original controller. They currently have a big Black Friday sale going on with up to 70% off of their products, which means that it's the ideal moment to pick up one of these uh, bad boys. You can check out their full range of their products on their website, uh, which we have listed in the description down below. 
Wait, wait, Knuckles so. feeling? So Knuckles in, in like Sonic or? Uh, <laughs> wait, I mean, you, you're the one who has the knuckle. Do you actually still use the knuckle controllers themselves when you play with I mean, decks? I mean, they're yeah. Um, some people call them yeah. They were called knuckles when they were prototypes, right? But uh, mm. I think most people are gonna be like, the heck are <laughs> the heck are knuckles? I still I still call them the knuckles. It's, it's, that, that, that that reminds me a bit of of me still saying Oculus Quest, you know, and it's like. The heck is an Oculus Quest nowadays? Yeah, yeah, that, well, that stuff just confuses the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what I mean is those kind of like yeah, the, yeah, what, no, what VR it. cover has done yeah. is like they they replace like some kind of like a band that yeah. allows you to like it's a bit have like the controllers hands-free. in your yeah. hands and yeah. you don't need to hold them. It's indeed it's hands free, yeah. which is a, a really nice way of like uh, trying to play with VR cool. uh, in a in a more interactive way. So yeah, really appreciate them sponsoring this episode. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, I guess that we should dive into the news. And first up is who other than Oculus? Because Oculus, not Meta, Oculus announced new updates <laughs> for the Meta Quest on their Oculus blog in their version <laughs> 34 update. Uh, I have no idea like what to call these because like it gets even more confusing when I when I start reading out what the updates are. Like, so they have new voice commands. You can now pause and play in Oculus TV. You can show or hide your move stats. You can open the settings app and even ask simple questions such as uh, what is the weather like today or how how many calories are in 3x in case you're cooking while you're playing VR or something. I don't know. I find it kind of weird that those are the kind of questions you can ask, but that's how <laughs> it is now. They also announced Android phone notifications. This was previously already available for iOS users in the version 29 update back in May, but they finally came to their senses and integrated this as well in the better mobile platform. To use this, you need to set up phone notifications via the Oculus app and then enable them via the Oculus app or in your headset settings menu. If your partner also uses your headset, you don't need to worry according to Oculus because Setting up a multi-user account will keep your notifications still safe and sound. Do you, any of you guys use that actually? Like uh, your notifications well, inside of your Oculus headset? No, I like I they 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 first popped up for a while, you know, when I got my stock quest. But then mm-hmm. then after I was like, this is very annoying, and and you get all these like nonsense messages that don't add anything. But I I think like I I said something this week about like notification being immersion breaking. But I would say the notifications that the Quest have mm. right now are immersion breaking. If they're more mm. interactive in some way or kind of blending with the rest of what you're doing, then I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I yeah. don't use it because they haven't had Android support until now. Right? So <laughs> yeah, I, I was planning to try, um, but I don't get that many. Like I'm not, I'm not loaded with messages. You know, my phone's going off maybe I don't know 20 times a day yeah. or something. So it's not too bad. But again, if you're a live streamer, like, and then you have notifications going yeah. off, you probably don't want that going out to the web. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what message you're talking about, but sure, your angry message, <laughs> you didn't take the garbage out, you know, or whatever. And uh, you know, it's like, honey, not right now, uh, not the good time. So. Um, that 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 part is that, but I mean, this update also it just it shook me a little bit because um, one of the changes that um, several developers actually got in, t- in touch with me about because you know we use the the multi account uh, feature um, and so this is what broke my heart actually a little bit a little bit earlier is from version thirty four forward um, I'm going to say there's two different ways you can play with multiple people uh, including <clears throat> I'll say one purchase license of a game one is very much like what you have with steam or what you have with like a nintendo switch 
where it's kind of a, a, a parent-child or master-slave setup. Um, and that's that's Oculus's kind of own application setup. And then games like Walkabout Mini Golf and stuff like that, they have the capability to punch in a room code um, and have multiple people join in. And until this most recent update, you could have, like I, I have three headsets running on my account and I can have three instances of ZimTalk 5 join the same room and it means that I can play with you know, uh, family and friends with my headsets co-located, you know, in the same place um, and not needing additional licenses or anything. Like that. And it's really, really helpful for getting especially kids in, because one of the things as a as a parent is like if the game's 40 quid, it's like I'm not spending 160 pounds on a single game, especially when my kids are going to get fed up in 20 minutes, most likely, and just bugger off, you know, so. Uh-huh. It kind of cuts out if if that remains as a as a as a thing that Oculus isn't allowing. It's annoying because it's not what developers want. Um, at least three developers with you know one of these room code based games have said like we don't want this. We want to be able to do it, but at the moment there's a wall. Um, and then their own mechanism essentially enforces you to have a Facebook or a Meta account. Um, so you'd need a, an individual one of those for every player. And then of course. Um, the way that system normally works is that, say you have two headsets, um, you can actually have both headsets, you know, f- you start over from scratch, like factory reset, install your primary account. So let's say that's ZimTalk 5. And then my wife could be, you know, the child account on, on one of them, and that could be her headset. But anytime I'm not using my library, she can play the games that I've got. And so that works well for a lot of people, but it doesn't work well in the kid case. So... Uh, so I'm, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna come on to that a little bit later, but uh, we we could talk about this now because okay. um, it was actually on on uh, it was a Reddit post, right? That uh, that brought up this issue, and the Reddit post actually mentioned that this was as of version thirty three, so that's the version that was already current. Awesome. That you can no longer use the same account uh, on multiple devices to play the same game, uh, and this was both the case for the Quest One and the Quest Two, and it happened for that particular user, which went by the name of Tornhawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, in both Demio and and also Walkabout Minigolf. Uh, so what happens actually is that a pop-up comes up yep. that uh, that says, uh, oh, you know, you need to have multiple accounts. Uh, and you can just hit dismiss on that pop-up and still play together. But after 10 seconds, that pop-up will return. You can hit dismiss again, which is very, of course, very intrusive in an ideal way. Uh, there was another user by the name of Real Blush, and I don't know if this is the exact method that you're describing as well, because mm-hmm. he described the way around this, and he explained here that you could set up multiple accounts on a second quest and then activate app sharing on your main account, which would then allow you to play a game on two quests simultaneously, even if you bought it only on one account. Is that the same method that you are describing then as well? That's like a that's like a gray zone of what I was describing. So it's like in the middle of, of and and there's another method as well that apparently if you turn off the application sharing mechanism, so the official Oculus one, if you switch that off, um, it's it said. Although mm. I haven't tested it myself yet, that you might be able to connect. Um, I can say that App Lab games are affected by this as well, which is a real kick to the balls because a lot of a lot of indie devs allow this kind of room code type multiplayer. Uh, Oceancraft being one, I, you know, I had my kids yeah. and some kids in another family doing that, and they were again being yeah. pestered by that pop-up menu, um, which is warning you that you know you're not allowed to do two accounts at once. S- slightly, slightly more convenient, not much, but slightly more convenient than the Steam pop-up of sorry, 
Zim's using his library. You can't <laughs> use that game. Yeah. You know, and if you've ever done that kind of family or friend sharing, it's super helpful. I think it's a really smart way to kind of get people to play games. And actually yeah. where it ends up with, I'll say with, with kids and kind of a family organization is like someone's playing it and when they're playing it enough or they're showing interest in it, it's like a demo mode almost. Yeah. Uh, mm. Then they end up with a copy of the game anyway. So it's like advertising. And I think VR since the very beginning hasn't had enough. They had demos for a while. We had obviously things like Oculus Share where you could try indie stuff out at the beginning. Now you've got App Lab and some of that stuff is free. Some of it's paid. Um, so, you know, it exists in a, in a variety of formats, but this is just another door that I prefer stays open than shut. And mm. yeah, I, I hope they I hope they change their ways with this or at least make it clear what they'd like to do with the platform, yeah. what they'd like not to do with the platform, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a blog post or something. It's more like you're saying, like you, you want to know from them where they want to go with this and what their view on, because yeah. right now it's kind of vague what they what they exactly want to do with it. Yeah, because they, they had it open before. Now they put a lock on yeah, the gate. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, did you mean to put a lock on the gate? Was that an, a byproduct, an accident of something else you were yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. But the mm-hmm. pop-up kind of tells me they knew that this was, you know, this this looks they, intended they, they to me. They see it as an exploit, basically, in a way. I, I do yeah. want to mention a, a, a couple of quick things. Uh, VR ahead, chat and rec room and those types of applications that have a completely separate login entity still do work um Correct. even even with the same account on multiple headsets um so there there are ways that developers can build out a process but then you're not using that oculus ecosystem for multiplayer at all that probably also means you can't really do a lot of connection between other devices and other platforms um so it's a little sketchy at this point we tested rec room and you're right rec room was still functioning so it looks like um, anyone who's leveraging that code on the platform. Anyway, it's just another fun change. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's very poorly timed in the run up to Christmas when people are going to be sharing devices and possibly mm-hmm. getting another, you know, a second or a third headset into the house. I, I think I'm, it's I'm, I'm, it's just very badly timed. I'm, I'm surprised that Mark hasn't mentioned this yet because he's always playing Arizona Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, <cute. laughs> I mean, well, he's chugging barbecue well. sauce, right? Long, yeah, long, yeah, so. yeah. But my impression on this is that they want indeed users to set up multiple accounts so they have an easier way of tracking who is using the device. I think that is the uh, the, the underlying... I mean, the pop-up itself like gives me that little bit of an indication as well, that they yeah. want to see, like, if, is this the main user? Is this a family user? Is this a friend? That they have a better idea of like who's using the device as a multiple user. It It, it, is, de- it is definitely complicated because... If they want to appear as a data company who isn't ingesting the amount of data they're actually ingesting, then I agree. But as has been proven, and there's several white papers on this, it, VR data, and you'll know this probably better than anyone on the podcast, uh, Rowdy, but VR data is very rich. And it means that, you know, if my daughter's using my headset for four minutes, they'll know it's her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just by that, by the motions of the physical body and all that, they'll be able to thumbprint her very quickly. I think it's within 30 seconds, but... Um, but you can never have enough data. This is, this is true. What I actually think is there's probably a, a legal reason why they have, you know, they're like, okay, people have their kids and like they have all their policies set around 13 and over yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can't control something that might end up hurting the company. So they're like, let's shut the doors that might hurt us. Uh, that that's that's my opinion. I I doubt they want to shut the door mm. because I don't see a, a price tag reason. Um, in fact, I see the opposite. I think this drives people away from from sales. But 
But let's see where it goes in the future. So we have Anakazi yeah, we'll in chat that mentioned uh, this could be something that's from a firmware update. And, and I do want to mention, starting with version 34, you get a pop-up that says app sharing is now available on this headset because they've taken that app sharing feature out of the experimental features and made mm. it just its own option in, in the settings. Mm. So I, mm. I think a lot of this... The shift from 33 to 34 is making it more and more apparent and conscious. What I'm speculating is eventually that on-off for app sharing is probably also going to disappear and it's going to become a feature. So we won't be able to disable that to to get that Mm. other workaround going. Uh, Again, it depends on what direction they're actually planning to go, but that's that's kind of where I see it leaning potentially. That makes sense. That makes sense. There were... A couple of more things that came with uh, version 34 as well, which are a little bit more exciting than the things we just brought up. But uh, they also announced a space sense that now enables you to see objects or people that intrude on your guardian bounce. It does mean that other people such as or large paths or even a chair that's been dragged out of its usual spot. These objects should now be highlighted in your headset and surrounded by <laughs> a pinkish glow is how they describe it uh, i do wonder if this means that this will be an end to all of those you know those hilarious videos of uh, people receiving like a like a right hook from their loved ones because they got a little bit too excited in vr but oh. i guess we'll have to see i hope not i do find those videos very funny i'm super salty uh, and and one of the things i said to my my community when we learned about the the shutout on the on the app thing i said oh great now i can watch my kids crying on the ground when daddy's playing and they can't join him but yeah i mean i'm i am glad i actually i mean where i want us to go is at some stage to not have to draw a guardian like i'd I'd really like the Mm -hmm. headset to just be confident enough right that yeah yeah, yeah. it has features that allows that you can see your cat run in or whatever it's it's weird like i want to see how that evolves because is this is this space sense going to kind of be annoying because like if you if you if you um, VR in a space like I do, kind of a cramped little office with desk and things, but I I'm pretty careful. If if that's going to impede and take me out of immersion, like is there a way I can switch that off? Is this an optional thing? Have any of you played with it yet? <laughs> I haven't played with it yet. I played with it a little bit. It it you can turn it on and off, but mm, yeah. it it like I also have super small space. It saw my laptop immediately, saw my microphone, saw my table, but didn't see the fake pet that I put on the ground until I stepped on it. Uh, what? So thankfully it was a fake pet. Um, was, there okay. a, was there a pop-up like saying you just stepped on your pet or something like that? Cause that would be, that would be cool. That would be hilarious. There <laughs> yeah, was not, nice. I, what I'm basically saying is I think it still needs a little bit of work um, mm-hmm. because especially something that's close to the floor, it's not really recognizing yeah. until it's too late. Mm-hmm. let's be honest like most people who set up their like at the start when they do the tutorial it's like oh yeah i need to really do it like around everything nowadays when i when i make like i just do a, a big circle through like the three walls and it's going outside and stuff just so i can quickly play i think everyone is doing that at some point yeah yeah, yeah. it's not recommended i'm giving a bad example but you know <laughs> but it's true everyone is doing it everyone is doing it and yeah. on occasion i also find that like it depends on the update, but I find particularly uh, maybe creators are just hopping in more frequently than others and and, and tend to complain more than others. But um, <laughs> from certain version, like version 26 to seven to eight to, you know, every so often there's a version that makes my headset go bonkers. Like yeah, no, the latest true. update, 
it it keeps forgetting it, it forgets like mid game session that there's even a guardian drawn and it asked me to <laughs> yeah, reproduce no, 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 it. It's... Space Pirate Trainer pushing the boundaries also tended to do that. Once you got it stable, it was it was fine, but like mm. in the setup process it was really struggling. Uh, but I've heard plenty of people who Yeah, I yeah, know it's very you unstable. Know, it's see it, yeah, I mean to to be fair, it's really cool technology. I'm glad it, it exists and I do think it's like the lead in the industry and when you when you have a home coded version of a guardian system, god it feels like so neanderthal. It really doesn't feel up to scratch. So, I appreciate what they're doing. Uh, obviously it's like this evolution we have to all go through, but um I I'd, I'd love to yeah. fast forward to the end <laughs> if we could. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last bit of update that came with version 34 was uh, the pass-through API. Uh, this was mm. earlier released through uh, developers, allowing them to already start creating experience. But now this is also available for consumers as well. And they plan on making some mixed reality apps uh, available soon, both on the Oculus Store, on an App Lab. And I mean, I'm a piano player myself, so a personal favorite mm. of mine was uh, something that was called Magic Keys. Yep. Uh, which is also featured by Oculus themselves. It looks really, really cool. It's basically, you you have the headset on, and I mean, I haven't played it myself because it's, it's as far as I know, it's not out yet, uh, but it like shows you which piano keys you need to press for playing like a certain musical piece, which I think is really cool, especially like for beginner players uh, who want to learn the piano and get like something going like that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential that uh, that can be can be done there. I'd love to have some like master pianist, like, just calling people hackers and cheaters, you know, using that type. They're <laughs> yeah. like, God damn it, yeah, learn it the old school way. You I'm know? really wondering about all those like Beat Saber players, what they're going to do with that kind of stuff. You know, they're going to be becoming like the new Mozart or something. You know? I don't know. <laughs> but it, like, I really do think that um, definitely like the pass through or even AR for like educational purposes. It's just there, there's there's yeah. so many things that are untapped Potential. there. Like we're going to see in the next 10 yeah. years, like so much come into that space. And that was a great example. Really good. Anything that can yeah. ease the like the what I think of is not even playing the piano, which seems so lovely and melodic and sells really easily, but just learning to type on a fucking keyboard, man. Like, <laughs> did, did you go through like the schoolyard days where they like put a towel yeah, yeah. over your hands and you had to mess up <laughs> and heck? worry about the accuracy percentage and stuff? I mean, if you're in that if you're in that bracket, like, oh man, that wasn't that was not easy. I, I hope they could make that easier for kids these days. So yeah, yeah, great. Uh, so the Oculus news doesn't stop with the only update there because uh, there's always been a new quest rendering technique uh, that has been released this time by Meta. Uh, just to oh, add Meta? to the confusion. Yeah, by Meta. Oh, apparently. That sounds like you're you're saying like, oh, new company is making this. Yeah, it's a new <laughs> completely <laughs> all this. It is it's a completely <laughs> new company. It's, it's a fair point. Is, but... Someone who went on holiday might not know the Meta news. So for anyone who doesn't know, Facebook is now Meta. And if that blows your mind, you don't believe us, go check, you know, BBC or something. Imagine that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that uh, that new Quest rendering technology is now available for developers, and it is called Application Space Warp. And this is fairly similar to what we have on Oculus Rift, so the Oculus PC version at least, uh, is called Asynchronous Space Warp. Um, but it's not entirely the same. I'm going to spare the technical details, uh, but it should produce better results. And they claim with a performance boost of up to 70%, which is is really significant. That's dramatic. 70%. Yeah, 70, 70% performance boost. So considering the high bar for performance oh. that Oculus sets for its application on their store, while only having uh, um, a mobile processor in, in, in the Quest, I, I think that this is a fairly big thing. 
because this allows an application to run basically on half the frame rate with the system then generating the other frame uh, based on the motion of the previous frame. So this then gives the impression that the app is running at a full frame rate, but it's only rendering half of the required frame. Now, in contrast to like uh, a synchronous uh, space warp where you had to like select it as a user yourself uh, to turn it on or off, or you could like have that auto select, uh, mm -hmm. this is fully controllable by the developer. So it's the developer who has the flexibility to enable this where they believe this is required. It can be it can even be on the fly that they can enable it uh, in a certain portion of their game. Um, so yeah, that allows you to basically do, you could aim for 60 frames per second and then have it run at 120 frames or aim for 30 frames per second or uh, let's say 36 frames per second and then have it go all the way to 72. I'm still trying to wrap my brain. I, I'm really puzzled here. I'm like trying to figure out like engineering wise, how, how does 70% makes sense there's got to be some processing headroom did you say half a frame was being rendered no so half half of the amount of frames are being rendered. Oh, okay yeah so, yeah, yeah. One, so, so one similar frame to is rendered and the other one is generated by the by the technique right and yeah so so similar to the the old 90 45 split where you're rendering 45 well i mean the technique is different but indeed the the, indeed like the the oh. the the, the kind of result, I guess, is the same because they're also rendering less frames, but the mm. technique that they use in order to do this is uh, is, is different. They're basically I, uh, just rendering half the frame rate. One thing I want to say, just from my experience with ASW, I know it's a different uh, different mechanism. There's a different algorithm really at play here. But um, what ASW did really, really uh, fantastic job on, on PC VR was, for example, racing games. Anything that was like high speed with a fair amount of, I'll call it, fixed on moving object kind of if you think about like how jpegs work um but it wasn't very good at things like asgard's wrath uh, because you have full motion uh the full scene is being redrawn and so when you're interpolating like from frame a to frame c b gets screwy and you end up with like these pretty weird aberrational like artifacts mm -hmm. in the scene and it it kind of gives kind of like a watercolor feel, almost like you're washing everything through like, or you're watching everything through kind of like um, rain pouring down a glass. It's strange, but um, I would just say that I'm looking forward to seeing what that does. Obviously, we've all tried Oculus Go with the fixed foveated rendering and know what that kind of peripheral damage that would introduce to certain experiences. <laughs> um, but this is like, this, this affects everything you're seeing. So... Certain types of content are going to do well with this, and certain types of content, I suspect, are are not going to be as fun to play that way. Mm -hmm. I, haven't, I mean, I haven't really up. tested out myself uh, because. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Gee Godin brought up a, a good point in chat. Uh, the yeah. different, another big difference between ASW on PC and on Quest is on PC it's system level, so you have that switch to turn it on and off. On Quest, mm -hmm. the developers are going to have to add that support into their application. So yeah, that's exactly. a big deal. And the other thing is, I think PlayStation VR already did this from the start. They yeah. had they they started at 60 frames per second, ramped up to 120. So yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Zim. Like racing games like Wipeout and things of that nature play really, really well. But you do yeah. still get some of that weird watercolorness with some of the fast-paced motion games. Yeah. But it, it feels like magic, I gotta say. Like, when you're looking for frames, when you're looking to play a game that's prettier than your rig can handle, um, and obviously the Quest 2 has limits, like, um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing what that means can be brought out, especially if they're dropping, you know, Quest 1 and saying we're now focusing on Quest 2, and, and, and that is our new bar. Plus this is great, fantastic. Can't wait. Yeah, certainly. Especially because of, you know, the, the, the enormous push in terms of, like, performance that they're claiming uh, would allow, like, you know, bigger titles to, like, come to a Quest platform or mobile platform like the Quest. Uh, be, I'd be, I'm just interested in seeing like where this like you know will lead us in terms of like uh, development and how much of this will actually be used. I, I gotta uh, think that the as performance. the way a developer would would react to this is, oh great, you know, I w- before my budget to saw back my PC VR content all the way down <laughs> to the size that'll fit on Quest and perform well, like they might have not considered the project at all, and this might allow them to actually consider it, you know, it, because it'll cost them less to actually make that port. It's less yeah, compression, sure. essentially. So, yeah, Op- opens the doors a fair bit. Even even if not many developers use it, the ones who really want to get their game on Quest and to that audience, which is a very large audience now, um, mm-hmm. they have that door open. So this is really a fundamental shift, and it could lead to a lot of really good releases section updates next year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. For re-platforms, right. yeah. So that was it for all of the Oculus news uh, or the meta news, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So next up is uh, last episode. We already did a little bit of a dive into the French startup company called Lynx, specifically on their Lynx R1 headset, which is a a true mixed reality headset. We're our on-the-scene reporter, Nathie, right? Uh, And I think it was very (laughs) fair to say that, uh, that this indeed seemed to be a very promising device that that did things in a, in a very different way compared to other devices. Very refreshing. Um, and therefore, I'm, I'm pretty happy to actually announce that they absolutely smashed their Kickstarter goal uh, of originally 300,000 euros with more than double the amount coming in at 725,000 euros. Also, therefore, reaching their first stretch goal, which is a free facial interface bat. Wow. That's it. That's some, that's some great news. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, it is great. Uh, Eric, I believe you had the chance to yeah. try out the Lynx R1 headset as well. What, what were your overall first impressions on uh, the device? I really like it. I, I've been doing a lot of tinkering with AR devices and, of course, spent the last five years or so in VR. And it, it does a really good presentation of, in the demo at least, moving from a VR scene out into a pass-through AR scene and then back um, I've only really experienced that once before the Lynx. Uh, there, there was a gentleman that made an application for the Vive Pro that I don't even think ever got released. It's like a <laughs> whack-a-mole game in AR, and then you go through a portal into the VR experience. Um, but I see the potential there to, to build these things that you can use both AR and VR at once and kind of blend it together in ways that the other headsets just mm-hmm. don't do it yet. Uh, I felt like the the lenses, uh, it was it was a little bit weird putting these kind of like triangle shaped things around your eye. Um, But even without the cover, the facial interface, I felt like I don't know if it was the lenses or the way my eyes were directed or what have you. You could see through your peripheral vision and you could look down, but it didn't feel like it had that light bleed that you get with a lot of the other headsets. It felt very Mm -hmm. natural. It was a sharp picture. And it's super light, um, and yeah. it's and it's got the best flip up I've had on on a device so far. Super sturdy, super uh, strong. Like it's not going to fall back over your face if you're doing something. Uh, so pretty impressed overall. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. 
You want to say something? Nathan? Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, like as you said, like it's very small, right? And mm. uh, the the like the thing is, when I was you know think about what I got to experience and stuff, like the lenses are making this headset so small because they're so compact. That's why this whole thing is small because of the lenses. And a lot mm. of people don't realize that lenses can make a headset a lot bigger. You know, so that's that's what I got to learn from. The fact that I'm like, okay, these lenses look so weird, but then you realize that the headset becomes a lot smaller. You're like, well, this is kind of welcome, you know? So it's kind of cool. Yeah, they have some pretty amazing specs as well. They have, uh, I I think I read uh, 1600 by 1600 uh, LCDs, 90 hertz per eye. Uh, Specifically, uh, they have a low latency color pass-through for augmented reality. The Qualcomm XR2 uh, chipset with six gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of uh, internal storage. Six stuff tracking, hand tracking, uh, different cameras, infrared cameras, visible light cameras, Wi-Fi 6, uh, SD card slot, two stereo speakers, uh, four microphone array. Uh, they also have an eye relief uh, kind of uh, setting. Uh, and their battery life is estimated at, uh, at three hours. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 And Pretty it, impressive and it, specs. And, and it, like, that's what I showed in my video this week that I uploaded, that it also runs Steam VR games. Uh, it's still yeah. kind of basic, so I don't want to overhype this, but at least it streams uh, VR games, and now they have to work mm-hmm. on you know making it right in terms of like uh, movement and stuff with the controller. So yeah, no, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to this like getting sold. I think it's like April 2022 that they're aiming for. I don't know if they're gonna make that or not, but I, it's just nice to see someone else making a headset that supports a more open metaphors you know i got a question then for because eric you've you've tried um both the vive flow and the links um both are 500 bucks which one and why uh i would go with the links over they they do two different things first of all to preface exactly but i I would go with the links over the vive flow because of the versatility and because of the openness uh the flow is really limited to right now a 3DOF controller they're going to add potentially some hand tracking i don't know if it'll be gesture based or full hands the lynx has 170 degree gemini powered uh ultra leap sensor like that's best in class right now um so i i I really i i would say at at the similar price point i would go with the lynx uh one potential drawback with the lynx is library um, because even though Vive port is limited, there is something. And right now there's not really much of anything for Lynx. <laughs> there's nothing. I, I know I, I talked to Stan for a few minutes at, at the event. He mentioned he's going to have some pretty big announcements coming over the next couple of months. Uh, but right now I can't say, oh yeah, they've got these awesome games coming. <laughs> no, there's nothing. There's nothing yet. Yeah. Great. Makes, Makes sense. sense. Makes sense. All right, cool. Um, so now moving a little bit from the VR to the AR, um, I have Qualcomm. They have announced their Snapdragon Spaces XR developer platform, which is a hat-worn uh, AR software suit uh, to support uh, smartphone-tethered AR glasses. It's specifically focused on uh, performance, low power, and human interaction. And to boost their uh, initial development, they are working together with a couple of big names, uh, even, even to us uh, such as uh, Felix and Paul Studios. They have resolution games in there, mm-hmm. uh, who, by the way, announced that on stage that they're also uh, making an AR division to further commit to building 
AR content for which they are currently hired. They have, I believe, three three AR games in development, but uh, whether that is like AR headsets or uh, handheld AR devices, I I could not really could not really find out. Um, but anyway, Qualcomm is also partnering together with several uh, hardware companies such as Lenovo, uh, Xiaomi, and uh, Motorola to develop mm. a more uh, cross-device horizontal platform and ecosystem of which Lenovo's uh, Think Reality A3 smart glasses tethered to a Motorola smartphone will be the first one to use uh, the Snapdragon Spaces platform. Mm. And I got so to check out the Snapdragon. Yeah, I got to check out the Snapdragon Spaces a couple of different types of demo. Um, one of the demos was just dropping you into different scenes that were very non-interactive, but kind of giving you ideas of where you might use the platform. Uh, mm. That one wasn't really all that impactful or meaningful, but the other one I got to try was actually uh, a demo where you could actually do a drawing application where you were drawing on your cell phone, but it was building it in the 3D space. And that actually really impressed me. One of, That's one of the things that they focused on was adding a feature where instead of right now, most of the AR glasses and headsets use your phone as the controller, uh, mm. similar to the Vive Flow, actually, the way that it works today. And they're now looking at it from the opposite perspective, using the headset as the like extension instead of the phone and using the phone app as the main hub of information. So you could mm. draw your picture on the phone, but it's drawing in the 3D space in front of you. Uh, the demo footage that they showed was like a they drew a turtle in the 3D space, and you could still walk around that turtle and everything, but it was all drawn on a flat screen. And I find that really intriguing. The, the thing that always wonders me about these like AR glasses is like the, the field of view. You know, like uh, I've, I've tried like several of those like AR glasses and I've always been disappointed kind of with like the field of view. I, I know that that has been improved with the with the HoloLens 2 already because Nate, tried that out and he gave a, a first impression on that as well. Um, but yeah, like, like, like dude, what do you think is the complication for like bringing that field of view to a more like level that maybe like us VR users are like used to? So... There's a couple of things that I, I did see at, at the conference, and we'll get into more of that later. But just to mention the A3 itself is around a 50-degree field of view. So the Think Reality mm -hmm. A3 that they were using the demos for. Um, and that's sort of a standard right now, like 42 to 50 seems to be the yeah. standard. Uh, there are a couple of devices that are doing 90, but they're huge. They, like, take your entire face. There's a lot more weight to it. So I think one of the limits right now, um, and that's slowly getting taken away by the different uh, ways to project image, um, mm. is is they want to keep it in the lightest form factor possible. They want to keep it in kind of like a glasses form. And that mm. requires you to use the smaller uh, field of view in, in the methods yeah, that they're using. Sense. Because they're using birdbath optics that really you have to basically cut off the top half uh, to reflect down on the uh, lenses themselves. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm always so impressed when I see those videos of like, you know, augmented reality kind of scenes. But like, and I think that's part of me, you know, being so underwhelmed by the first time that I tried them. 
because uh, I immediately think like that's not that's not how it's going to look mm-hmm. like. You know, it's it's such a small kind of field of view that you have uh, in terms of. Um, it's very exciting though. Like I do find those kind of applications really really cool, both from like a like a productive kind of level and from a gaming perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, I, I think, Nathie, I think you mentioned already a couple of times that you see AR as something that might even become bigger than than virtual reality in itself. And I think I, I start to see that vision as well, uh, that you, you know, there's so much potential for AR uh, in today's world as well. And, and and it goes well together, you know, like Eric tried yeah. the links, it's that, that headset and it's kind of hard mm. to just, you know, say it and you need to really experiencing it, you know, if you, if you, as you you get to walk into a universe and then be in VR and then step out of the universe and into the real world again. That's just like like opening your mind and then you suddenly see all these use cases of where it's gonna go. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think like like AR glasses are kind of cool, but I think mixed reality headsets like you see with links, that's kind of like the best middle ground that you can have yeah. right now. But I it's agree. I get I it. Like you, you're not gonna walk outside with those. You're not no, gonna do of that. Of course. Of course. I must well, say, to, I did um, learn a term here. Um, bird bath lenses is not something I'd ever heard before. So <laughs> that will stick with me for life yeah. now, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, yeah there's, 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 there's kind of three, three versions. There's bird bath, waveguide, uh, and uh, pass-through. So the, 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 the pass-through headsets are the ones that really enable the larger field of view because it's really just going through camera pass-through. For the most part, um, and yeah. then Waveguide has its kind of its own system. They they've now got it down to a single layer, which gives you better visual fidelity. Uh, things like the Magic Leap and the Hololens are really kind of stacked, so you get kind of like a rainbow around images in yeah. it. Uh, the the now single panel ones are much cleaner image quality and much better fidelity for things like text. But it's also very small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, well, just to show, like the, the... Go, ahead. go on, Rob. No, no. I, I was just gonna say um, the original, uh, and now the name's gone out of my head. Not not the Google Glass, but the Hololens, the first Hololens. Yeah. What was the field of view on that approximately? I mean, you said fifty it, degrees, it, and I'm trying to. So the original Hololens is around forty. Um, yeah. and, and I think the second HoloLens is either 50 or 52, if I remember. Right. Correctly. Yeah. Cause I, cause like, like Rowdy, when I've tried those, um, it's really been a kind of postage stamp, maybe a bigger postage stamp, but it kind of feels like some kind of, um, it feels very cut off. It is. Um, and that's like, like, I suppose the, the real issue is just down to the, like you're saying, just, just the optics, just the optical logistics. How do I get light? through to the user and and at the same time alter it like how do i get something in there in in midstream so uh, i think have you have any of you tried any headsets that are uh beam direct to retina like uh yes i have i don't remember the name of this thing (laughs) if he pulls Uh, out a headset that beams to retina i swear i i do have one it's it's here i just can't retrieve it right now of course he does yeah (laughs) i have i have a headset for everything zim yeah yeah okay that's pretty neat but what 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 does that feel like because in my head that was like a fourth option aside from the waveguide which is like bounce bird bath which is you know cut off the top half as you said your retina always seemed dramatic to me and i was curious if it solves the problem so to speak i mean it's it's just light it's not going to kill you 
I hope. <laughs> um, no, Tell that to the sun. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point. Uh, so it's, it's again, kind of small, to be honest, at least the one that I have. Um, there's, there's no screen door effect because there's nothing in front of the image that's coming to you. So that's a good thing. Uh, but it's, it's brighter. And in some cases that's almost as bad as looking at an LCD versus an OLED, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's different. Um, but yeah, they exist. Uh, I don't know that it's practical though, for most use cases. Mm, yeah. Don't mind me grinning away here. I was imagining a piece of cardboard <laughs> with two lasers just poked through it, like pointing at your at your retina. You know, <laughs> but I mean, I, it's not going to kill you. You're just going to lose right. your eyes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say no, but it's interesting because like there's so many options, and I, I you just want that scientific breakthrough so that you can get to the the state you want. Because like what Nathie's described and what you've described now today, Eric, about that experience, you know, going from VR to AR, I just think about, you know, like like a game room. Like what if you're going to do an escape room place where at the front desk you get a pair of glasses and yeah. as you walk through the doorway, you're going into, you're going into VR yeah, and now yeah. all that's separate, right? And even on the way in, you could have these experiences that are enriched. And same thing for like a, a cinema, right? You could... Forget the 3D glasses cinema. What about the cinema where, like, you've almost got, like, I don't want to say 4D, but I don't know what you call it, but, like, an enhanced enhanced by VR cinema experience with others in a crowd. You know, it could be really phenomenal. Yeah, cool. I, I, think that, I think that's coming in, in a couple of years, honestly. I really do. I think there's there's the potential there to have that type of thing where you, you start out in the real world you go into yeah. more augmentation and then you jump into the virtual world and back out. Yeah. There is, there is just a lot of hype around the, you know, the AR scene in general, because we also have uh, Niantic that has uh, announced that it's opening up the Lightship AR development kit, which is a, a software development kit that the company uses to make, for example, Pokemon Go world scale gameplay possible. It, it also announced a whopping 20 million uh, dollar fund to hope kickstart AR development and they're specifically aiming to uh, create multiplayer AR experience for both Android and iOS uh, mobile platforms. Uh, they're also funnily calling their ecosystem a metaverse as well. So that's <laughs> just another one of those. Uh, those the, uh, although that, uh, although a, a metaverse with Pokemons is freaking awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The, the Niantic version though is more connecting in the real world and then using yep. applications to augment your real-world experiences. Yep. Yeah, that's how they announced it. Well, it's a, it's an augmented reality and world-scale gameplay. But they are showing some really cool. I don't know if you have that video of that of that uh, Giphy, uh, where they they show like the overlay. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of them. Don't worry, uh, I have some. I have something to show. Well, for I just sure. saw. They, I just they saw overlay the clouds. They overlay the clouds and you have the spaceship that flies or the, the, the cloud ship that flies I through. I think that's I a, a that. really cool thing that they're showing because they're showing now that they can uh, perceive depth as well. Right. So that the, the spaceship uh, can go behind the, uh, the, the, the cloud scrapers and in front of the cloud scrapers, depending on like the, where it's located in that augmented space, which I think is a really cool illustration of uh of what they what they're doing now yeah the the demo they showed uh at awe was really 
interesting because they, they focused on three aspects of their platform. One was that spatial segmentation. It can recognize things like if it's natural grass on the ground versus if yeah. it's artificial ground. It can recognize if it's water. It can recognize if it's a beach. Sky. It can recognize yeah. the sky. It can recognize trees. It can recognize buildings. It's pretty powerful stuff. And one of the demos was actually gathering resources within that area. So you have to yeah. dig up the ground and then chop down trees and then grab things from the clouds uh, to help build up that airship that you're describing. Uh, oh. And then the second segment that they were talking through was around interconnectivity. They have it set up so that you can make very simplistic five-player multiplayer games and then make them build more complex actions on top of it. Uh, the one yep. that they showed was like a snowball fight. Um, and then also the the actual like depth mapping, spatial recognition. Uh, when I was playing one of the demos, you could actually throw the snowball and it would hit a wall or hit hit the trees that they had in the area and it would actually stick to it, which was super impressive for something that's just running on a smartphone. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I like these kind. These are the kind of experience that I would really like to see in AR glasses with, you know, like the full field of view. Are really, I think I think those kind of things will blow people's minds. Uh, you, like you don't think like I, I still think like doing this on a phone. I don't think it's that bad for now. I I still kind of <laughs> feel like I'm immersed even if I look through a phone because the it's so fun. Like the snowball thing. I don't know. I haven't tried it, but if you're there with like four friends, you're so focused on the task that that just you're. Like your phone mm. expands around you, even that the rest is just still like just a window, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For for me, um, the the most compelling AR game that I've played is like a almost like a a, a giant, well as, as large as you want to draw it, like chess battlefield with two sets, three three versus three tanks. Um, so you have these three tanks that spawn on both sides. Good game's called Smash Tanks. I think it's available both on iOS and Android. Um, but you, you basically, you can draw it out in your garden and be walking around the tank. It's got these like happy little anime characters driving the tanks. And what you do is you like on the phone, like what Nathan's saying, you can kind of feel like yourself get immersed as you're playing with somebody else. And then you, you play by passing the phone or even wirelessly networking two phones. Um, yeah. And it works really cool because you're both looking at the same thing and they're objects that you can walk around and interact with. And it doesn't have the kind of uh, environmental engagement that you've just described eric in these newer devices this is back you know maybe two two three years yeah 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 i agree yeah all right uh then we have a bit of hardware news which is unfortunately a bit more disappointing it's a deck gear uh, it's a headset that uh, many of us are rather excited about and it has been uh, unfortunately delayed so they announced this news on their website with a statement that at least to my ears sounds a little bit worrying uh, i'll read a, a part of it so they mentioned that uh, the shortage in the consumer electronics markets affects badly small uh, affects badly small companies like us, and it is not going to be resolved in the near future. Semiconductors crave for big orders, while investors see too many risks for substantial investment. Even if we solve the financial issues and produce the headset as is, its current price is $700, more than double the cost of the Quest 2. We don't want to send, sell expensive hardware as high prices cripple VR growth potential. Despite the issues in the market, Facebook continues to manufacture and sell the Quest 2 for the same price. They can do it forever because they write the subsidization as an investment, which will yield profit at a later stage through their ecosystem. 
This is a double-edged sword for the XR market because while they're expediting usage with great products at low prices, they also get to monopolize the market. Even at $700, we don't have a sustainable business model as once you guys get the Decagear headset, you will buy content on SteamVR and Valve. Uh, SteamVR and Valve are not splitting their store revenue with anyone. So what now? It is time to pivot and change to a direction that will allow us to build a future in VR toward an open ecosystem. We think that we managed to form a solution and I will share more about it here during the next week. What do you guys think about that? Like, I honestly think they already knew this was going. Like, they already planned this from the start because this is no surprise, right? That back then in yeah, the... In no. the yeah. And because the, one of the first episode we talked about it. It's like 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 almost saying like we now finally understand how the industry works, and now we suddenly have to change with the wave. I think this yeah. is just a, a smart way to kind of like first hype everyone up, and now kind of change a different direction and kind of point. To, like it's very like I you like if you look at other companies who are also having a hard time making uh, like for the links uh, also as well. Like they're not pointing towards Facebook. You know, they're not like, oh, look at them. It's not no fair, blah, blah, blah. They just focus on what they have to do. And they're just going to try their best to deliver to everyone. So, I, yeah, I don't know. This kind of sounds like nonsense to me. Yeah, uh, to me, it's just, I think I do think they were over optimistic rather than this being, you know, some kind of four planned thing. But when you're in mm. that space and you see a you see a, a niche or a market and you're like, I, I think I, I think we can make this work. But then in this case, supply chain is surprising a lot of people. Because people felt like, oh, right, guess what? The COVID effect is like a year long. Oh, now it's 18 months. Oh, now, oh, God, it's going to be three years now. Um, Having to revise plans and revise again and again um, has has hit a lot of business cases and and trashed more than it probably has saved. So. I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I completely agree with that, Zim. Uh, oh. But the, the thing that bothers me the most about this statement is that they the, the, the statement that he says is uh, even at $700, we don't have a sustainable business model because once you guys get the, the VR headsets, then you know it's Steam VR that will make all the money uh, and not us. But this the COVID has nothing to do with that, right? This right. was already yeah. before COVID the case. This has always been... They've always had a bad business model then. That's basically what they're saying, right? The other thing about Decagear is before Decagear, their website, Mega Dodo something or other, also Mega talked games. about yeah. about a Deca as a MMO platform. So I think, mm. you know, this is taking them back to the interconnected world thing because they're talking yeah. about mobile os versus cloud os versus i think they called something a brick uh os yeah the deca uh, brick is, thank you that's deca their, brick is uh, the deca brick it's coming there all i i don't really find a lot of information about that specifically but no. it's indeed their operating system and they right. have it aimed for uh i think the the second quarter of 2023 to release it and then they say in, in, in the third quarter of 2023 that Decabrick will be sold and shipped by other device makers. So they, they're that's aiming for other device makers yeah, to start using just, that. I don't know, like, like it all sounds very tricky. And like I've been skeptical from the very start, although I do want, yeah, no, you know, as I said, like uh, people to succeed. But uh, yeah. I don't know. This all sounds very strange. But what do you to me. what do you take from this? Like uh, what I, what what I took from this was um, okay. We can no longer make the device we wanted to for the money we were going to. So let's get off the ship. But 
you nice contributors paid for this. So we're still going to make the headset for you, ship that, and then we're going to basically sell, you know, let these blueprints go to other people who want to manufacture. But I think they know and we know that's really not realistic. I mean, think about the old um, Steam hardware where it's like, oh, you you guys make it. You're, you, you, the blue, blue, blueprints are open, they're shared. You can, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and make but Steam the, PCs. The, the, the question is, do they really want to share and what way they want to share? No, no, know? no. Uh, so Zim is spot on because their new deadline reads like this. So the second quarter of 2022, they'll have a, a blocker edition that will go out to blockers. On the, on the quarter fourth of 2022, they have a limited edition of DECA gear that is yeah. produced and shipped by themselves. And then the fourth quarter of 2022 as well, they'll have the DECA gear sold and shipped by other device makers. So yep. they're actually already in their timeline. They're planning to give these blueprints indeed to other device makers to make their device and sell it under their... But well. uh, what I don't get is it feels to me like they, they met in the boardroom or whatever. They decided, okay, company's going to make a big change, right? But we want to give them a soft letdown. And that's the kind of press release you do for a soft letdown or, you, or an attempted soft letdown. I kind of would, as a consumer, like what what feels worse? Them saying, oh, we got to back down. Now the Kickstarter failed. We're not going to be able to do this device anymore. Or this kind of planned tail to kind of tail it back. Mm. It's weird, right? Because like you don't see a clear vision for their future. I really like the device that I've got in hand from DECA, which is the DECA Move. Deca Deca move. move. The yeah, DECA Move is a hip true. tracker for those who yeah. don't know what it is. And um I, it, honestly, I don't play Skyrim without it. It it, it is absolutely yeah. something yeah, that I nice do, device. and and I, I honestly feel like for a limited number of use cases, the device is absolutely fantastic. Like I use it for I, nothing I agree, else. I I agree completely thing. with you because I think the technology that they're describing in their headset is technology that is possible to do right now and is something sure. that is probably appreciated by a lot of users. But the problem is indeed, again, the production and bringing it to the market at a cost that is, you know, feasible for a business to survive and to thrive on. And that is in the current market so hard with a player like, for example, Facebook. Yeah, and they're not Uh, big. This is why I think if I was them, if I was their product team, I would double down on things on the tech like, like, like Decamove. I, because it sells and it's yeah. coupling and it's got instant value. And the mean. second you try it, yes, start there. Get a sure footing in the market. Build a name for yourself. Well, that's don't, what they're. That, that's what they are. Don't be that's Pimax. What they already tried don't be a with dreamer. This. That's why they sent that thing out because they wanted to start with accessories and kind of build up trust. Sure. So like we're not selling crap, you know, because the thing that they got works really well. You know, it's great for for playing games, but making a headset is a total different story. But that's I will say like, though. It, Deca Move was present in several booths at AWE. Like people are using it regularly. I use it for games yeah. like Skyrim too, yeah. and No Man's Sky, and a couple of other games because it just makes it feel more natural to just turn around, and it's yeah. seamless. Uh, but the the Deca Gear feel always felt like it was kind of far away, and yeah. the four hundred fifty dollar price point at the time that they announced it was a little hard to attain. They came out with a bill of materials to say like, hey, we can really do this for this price. But -hmm. I don't think they realized small-scale manufacturing versus large-scale manufacturing. If you were making 700,000 or more of them, maybe, yes, you can get it at that price point. But when you're talking about 
10,000, I think is what they referred to in the email, potential yeah. users, like you can't yeah. get those components even pre-COVID at that price point. Good point. That's a very good point. Maybe they should take uh, the F-Reality uh, you know, advice and make the DECA metaverse, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think the good thing they did is that that they didn't let people pay a full price like Pimax did at the start. You know, they you, you had mm. to pay like one dollar. Was it like one dollar? I think it was ten dollars for theirs or ten dollars. Uh, well, like a small, like almost like a pre-order yeah. amount, like to, and that's not enough to, of course, you know. Well, Pimax they could already they already had the money and then they could do whatever they wanted. Well, you know, but it, um, it, it that whatever you get on pre-orders won't solve the problem of no, no, your no. return on investment. Yeah. Like no. every time you sell a unit, you need to be making money. And unless unless you're sitting on a cash warehouse and they aren't. And and so I don't know. Like I I I kind of wonder what would that headset cost? Like a $700 headset of what they originally designed still doesn't sound bad. It mm -hmm. it sounds like they would have mm -hmm. a market for it. So I Again, I wonder if there's something more that they're not saying in their I, press release that is driving this decision. Something else that's more pressing. In yeah, other words, they're, they're, I can't pay my staff or, you know, yeah. th the scale of operations over the next 18 months can't be upheld. Then we have to scale back now. Like, that's that's the sense I'm getting. It's has not anyone, just has the price. actually tried anything other than the DECA move? No. 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 I, 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 did, I did tell them, so like, you know, if you have something then I'm happy to fly there and show it to me. Because if there's something, like I am not getting hyped about you announcing anything or these announcements, I want to get to try it and then we'll see. But the thing is, like when I did a like a check on their background, you know, also the history behind this, this founder and the company, I just have a funny feeling about this, you know? Um, but as you said, if it's just 10, 10 bucks that you laid down for this, small risk, you know, but... Everything to me, like, 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 yeah. kind of points towards like alarm bells. I don't yeah. know, but as I said, I want people to succeed. We'll I want see. companies we'll like see, this to um, succeed. But I mean, they, I they announced that they would uh, next week give more information on like what the timeline is and what the plan okay. is. So at least they're communicative. So I yes. think that that is already a that great a thing. They yeah. uh, agree. They come out with this uh, advance in time. So I think that's a that's a great yeah. thing. And as I said, they're not doing the shaft my user base and the people mm. who who wanted to back me move which they could have done i actually think in 2021 that seems to be mm -hmm. the standard like shaft <laughs> the people who backed me and they're yeah, not yeah. doing that so although <laughs> i talked a little bit against the soft letdown it, it feels like you know it feels kind of like the right thing to do to the community who's backing you and if yeah, they yeah. do have to back out they're backing out gently they're not just dropping the ball and oh. letting responsibility slide which means the next time they want to develop something and and put their name out there like that history will follow yeah, through yeah, with yeah. you, and I will it, still remember that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so far the approach they have done is very careful, very smart, especially with like the DECA move, you know, where you're like, wow, this is a great product. Yeah. We're heading towards something. And yeah, like Pimax is the best example of this, where <laughs> like it bites them back now. Like, yeah, they announced like the Pimax 12K or 18K or, but people are have kind of seen it now and they kind of know how things work. You know, so you have to, like, reputation is everything in the VR scene. Yeah. Everything. I yeah. agree. I agree. Anyway, okay. I'm going to finish off the most recent news with uh, a little bit of a positive note. Uh, so a little bit of VR gaming news before like Zim goes into his releases later on. Uh, and this one <laughs> is Deep Rock Galactic, which is a personal favorite of mine. 
uh, when it comes to co-op multiplayer that's launched a major update to their game including new missions uh, new enemies cosmetic cosmetics and they have enabled steam vr and oculus vr plugins uh, to allow mothers now to play with them. So a quick mm. word of caution, the game is not yet fully playable in VR or actually playable in VR, uh, but hopefully models, models can start using those plugins to eventually start making the game actually playable in VR. We're still a long way off, but if there's one thing that I've learned, you know, during during my time in VR is that, you know, you should never underestimate, underestimate like the VR modding scene. Uh, does anyone of you ever play Deep Rock Galactic? No, yeah. it's a four-player co-op, right? Yeah, it looks pretty it's cool. It's, it's, it's very, very good. good. It's very nice. Yeah. It's procedural, is it? Yes. In a, in a way, yeah. yeah. You have like um, you you have like uh, like missions that are being generated on the fly, uh, and you have like I don't know. There's like a variety of missions that you have, so they do you know, we come back uh, after a certain time, but they're always in different environments. So the environments are indeed every every time different. And you have different roles that you that you have. You have a scout. You have a someone who drills. Uh, you have an engineer and yeah oh they all have these specific functions and it's actually the best way to play this game is indeed with four players rather than with uh, with two or by yourself it's a it's a really it's a great game for uh because i play it quite regularly with a couple of friends it kind of like the look and feel of it it really reminds me of um uh that cave miner two cave digger two it looks a lot like cave digger two because cave digger two has um it's less I, I actually don't know if Cave Digger 2 is procedural. I think it is. Um, so it's very similar kind of tech, but this four-player concept is pretty neat. So what are you doing? You're gathering minerals and sending them so, off, and you're fighting off bad guys, yeah, for, basically? For, so, for, so you work for a mining company, just like with Cave Digger as well, uh, and you, you need to not only gather resources, so you have different kind of missions. Sometimes it's, you need to retrieve technology or you need to find eggs for, of a certain creature uh, or you need to, well, I don't know, like fix a, like a, a mine operation, a mining operation. And those are the kind of missions that you get. Uh, and then you need to find the location where you need to go to. You need to do the mission. And in the meantime, you need to try and gather as much resources as you can. And when you get back to uh, your spaceship or your, I don't know, like your it's like a probe uh, that goes into the asteroid because uh, it's in space as well. Like it's not like uh, on like uh, on a planet. Um, then you can use those kind of resources to buy new weapons or upgrades and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's a it's a very interesting, a very time consuming game. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the modern community has already started to embrace it. I know that's why they added oh, yeah. those tools in was because some people approached them and said, "Hey, we'd really like to add a VR mode to your game if you're not going to do it yourselves." And uh, you know, there, that's there actually been... what triggered it. Yeah, yeah. there was there was a, a user that actually was specifically asking for this, and they were like, "Okay, we'll just activate the, uh, the, the at least the possibility to do so." Right. And uh, the mother community actually have already been, you know, working on trying to get like certain features working in virtual reality. Yeah. So, and they've yeah. th- there's been some really impressive flat PC games that they've added mod support for. Uh, Risk of Rain mm. Two is the one that sticks with me still. Because it's almost a completely different game in VR, but you can still play with both VR and flat players. That's one of those advantages that you often don't get from a baked for VR game. Is is if you have if you have mates who are like not into VR, getting them into a game. I know Mike has talked about this on previous podcasts as well, but like getting them into VR is sometimes difficult. So if you are able to share an experience where you're in VR and they're not, great. But you don't yeah. usually have that, you know. Normally, the way it works is 
company builds a game for VR and like a year and a half to two years later, they're like, we actually want to also dip into the marketplace. So they'll do a flat port <laughs> essentially or open that door. Uh, but that yeah. comes sometime later. Yeah. Looks cool. Actually, guys, I've, I'm keen yeah, to it's... maybe play this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was recently actually on a, on a discount as well. So, uh, but yeah, you missed that. Sorry, Zim. Oh, anyway, <laughs> Black Friday's around over... the corner. I'm sure there's going to be some Steam sales around. There. Yeah. Before we head over to uh, to Eric and talk a little bit more about AWE, um, it's time to thank another one of our sponsors. This time it's uh, Walkabout Mini Golf from the team at Mighty Coconut. It's a it's a team favorite. I think it's fair to say that, and it's it's widely regarded as one of the best mini golf VR games available on headsets. Uh, if mini golf is not your thing, or if you're just playing bad at it, like Nathy, it's also a great social experience <laughs> to bring in your Nonsense. friends or family. <laughs> So the game includes eight different courses, including the latest one that is called Cayote uh, Valley. I hope I pronounced that right because I have no idea. Cayote, almost Cayote, 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 It's fine. Everyone butchers it, so yeah. it's good. Each hole on the course also has a, a hidden bowl, allowing you to go on a little Easter egg hunt to collect some of those collectibles. Uh, definitely go and check it out. It's available on Quest and PC VR headsets through Oculus and Steam. And a link to the Quest version you can find in the description down below. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, you're, you're the worst in this one, just saying. You know? Spoilers. What, me? Yeah, you. I, yeah. Like you you're joking? roasting me while you're the one that is actually even... Yeah, you're just flying around in this game, not even playing golf. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to do any efforts. Anyway, for our main topic this week. <laughs> okay, sure. We're going to go into a, a little bit of a conversation with Eric and all of the cool stuff that you got to try out on AWE. But maybe first, tell us a little bit about yourself, because for many people in the, in the VR industry and the community, you are a very familiar face. Uh, but for others, you're probably a little bit more working in the background. We know each yeah. other already since the time that uh, I think my only experience with, with VR was uh, was like a VR cardboard version. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of when Hom- we when we Homido. first got acquainted. Homido. <laughs> except, wow, you still know the name even. Um, but yeah, you've always worked a little bit more behind the scenes. So how, how did you get involved in VR and, you know, how did you develop this, this, like, this passion for it? So it actually started, uh, I played a location-based game by Niantic called Ingress. And ah. when playing that game, Google had their IO conference and at the IO conference, there were portals you could go to for Ingress that were limited edition. I was like, oh, I, I need to go get those. So I walked <laughs> over and someone actually in line for the after party for Google IO had their cardboard because they yeah. had just given them out earlier in the day and they brought it over and they're like, do you want to try this? And I was like, okay. Very skeptical, but okay. <laughs> and I was kind of blown away by it. Um, and so I started with Cardboard, same as Rowdy. Sorry. Yeah, you, the, um, the Daydream platform, that was where you were very yeah, invested in the beginning, Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. And and then I, uh, I I went from Cardboard to Gear VR a little bit. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. then there was an IGN contest, very random, to go to Seattle to hang out with Valve and 12 different dev teams. And one of the prizes was a Vive Pre before anyone else could get a Vive. Wow. And so I entered about 7,000 times with a bunch of different pitches as to why I should go and (laughs) and, uh, ended up going up to Seattle. Um, There were 
I think 19 of us that actually attended. Uh, sadly, it's Bradley, who I know yeah. the channel knows, and hopefully people in chat know as well, was one of the mm -hmm. other attendees at, at that event as Tribal well. Tribal Instincts? Yeah, Tribal Instincts. Oh, wow. exactly. Tribal Instincts, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Gold Vision was another one that had a channel for a while. Um, and, and it was super impressive to go up there, and I met all of the early developers essentially for the vibe and everyone that was working on things oh. that had hand track like hand controllers and, and room scale and it was amazing it, it was really groundbreaking uh prior to that the reason i was so motivated to do the ign contest there was like a truck that went around like a semi truck that oh. you could go on <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I try the vibe oh wow so i tried the uh i tried the blue tilt brush and aperture uh robot aperture repair labs. from the lab yeah yep. and uh i can't see 3d like on a 3d screen normally mm. and i'd never really tried on an hmd but when i started using tilt brush i could see that depth and it just like opened an entirely different world for me um so that's really what like drove me to to, to start experimenting wow. in vr that's amazing. That's amazing. And from there on, you went to pretty much every VR conference and AR conference. You, you can't pretty go much. to a VR conference <laughs> without running into, into, into Eric. Yeah. At least stateside. Uh, yeah. Have, I, I, yeah, I know like VR Days Europe, I think, just started something yeah. today, I believe. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, yeah most, most events happen in the US for sure. Yeah. The big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so about... Um, yeah, go ahead. You want to say something? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So about uh, AWE, like we asked you to pick like a like a couple of highlights and like sure. like walk us through them. So what what were your highlights for the conference that that you really want to bring uh, up here? The first thing I want to talk about is probably never coming to consumers, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but it's called the Olfactory VR or OVR technology inhale. And what I, it I is, think Zim has a lot of experience with that. Zim has experience with the with the prototype, I believe, uh, the South Park Nodulus Rift, which yeah. was oh, which Correct. I also had the opportunity to have the pleasant <laughs> smell lingering in my nose for felt like days, but it was only hours. Um, this is a lot different than that. Fortunately, uh, it, it doesn't try to kill you in make you painful in the nose that actually um, releases different scents through a small module that fits at the bottom of a headset uh, where your nose is. So it makes sense. Um, and there were similar products that they tried to launch called, uh, there was one called feel real, if I remember correctly, <laughs> yeah. uh, which yeah, used like saver a smell. Yes, exactly. With, with different uh, scent packs for different games and things <laughs> of that, that nature. Uh, that one uh, got shut down because of the technology that they were using was similar to vaping pens. Um, <laughs> yeah. The the olfactory VR uh, doesn't do that. It's it's a very clean water based solution. Uh, they have nine different scents, and they, they also do have scent packs. They have one that's nature based. Uh, they also have one that's trauma based, um, oh and that God. one kind of that one kind of fascinated me. <laughs> The so of blood and iron, like so. It's it's really used toward, <laughs> oh um, it's it's geared toward things like treating PTSD, because wow, you know you want you, I I, I don't know if you want this, but it, it helps to immerse people back into that environment to really cope with it. 
Um, so it might be a smell like burning gasoline or gunpowder or blood as, as, as Rowdy mentioned, like it's, it's extreme. And they said, you know, you didn't want to be there to QA that scent pack because you're, <laughs> you're, you're probably getting traumatized from it. Uh, but it, it was, it was very interesting. The demo that I tried uh, had four very simplistic scenes. The first one, there's a flower box in front of you and you pick up a rose from the flower box. And as you even start to, go near the, the the flower box it's like you're walking past a rose bush like you smell that scent in front of you but when you bring it closer it becomes more and more intense and of course when you sniff it it's the overpowering scent of a rose but they go even deeper if you go down the rose and smell the stem of the rose it smells like the stem of the rose if you go further down the rose the wow, bulb at the bottom impressive. with the dirt and the root smells like the earthy ground and, and the next scene was a campfire with, you know, the stick with the marshmallow on it. You could smell the marshmallow. You could smell the fire burning, you know, the wood chips co- going up into the air. And then if you roast the marshmallow, you get that completely different consistency, that kind of smoky smell on the marshmallow as well. Unfortunately, and, 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 no taste. You, you, you can't pick up course. the marshmallow and eat it afterward. That's, that's the other <laughs> module coming later. <laughs> like, anyway, you joke, but we had, we saw that in Japan, right? Remember the candy yeah, that would be that would yes, feed you yeah, and it had a, yeah. an articulated yeah. arm that would put candy in your mouth when some little Japanese girl would be like feeding her sugar daddy some sugar. Yeah, I remember that. So, so about oh, that uh, that technology, uh, like, how do they get the different kind of combination of smells? Like, is every scent a specific kind of module or do they combine different modules to get specific scents? So I believe there's like, it's there's five so many cents, different kinds of, I believe it's okay. four or five cents in a module. Mm. Um, but I don't know exactly how, like they didn't elaborate. It is all proprietary. First of all, at this point, like you mm. can't build mm. this for yourself. Um, it's fairly expensive. I don't know if I'm actually supposed to say the price, but it is not something that's intended for consumers. It's an annual subscription. Um, they describe it as the Dollar Shave Club for Men of Scents, essentially, where what? they'll just keep sending you more replacement <laughs> scent modules. Um, so, so the scent modules last about one to two months, they said, depending on how much you use them. And if you don't stop your subscription... Then they just keep sending you more and more of these scent oh modules. God, did, they, wait, um, did the scent modules expire? Yeah, I no. don't know that. They didn't. They didn't mention that. Um, the other thing is, in order to integrate with your software, so if if you're using it for like your game as an example, and you want Skyrim, for example, you want to smell <laughs> the fire coming from the dragon, and you want to smell the water, you want to smell and the, school, and the, school the cooking school rabbit, man. and all of that. Um, there's no Skyrim pack. Just sorry, sorry, Zim. I yeah, know you, but I, I know but I assume that the way that a lot they... of build up for just letting me down there, Eric. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not I, coming I, back. Back, he's off the show. <laughs> I, I I assume that the way that these these packs work is that, for example, you have the flower pack that has then the different modules for the flower. So, like to to have that in like, for example, Skyrim, you would have to have all of those packs coming together right you would have to have the fire pack because fire has different kind of smell and that's kind of like what i always find confusing with these kind of things because i know from like like a neuroscience perspective science uh uh smell is so complex there's so many different kind of smells 
Mm. And the way that they interact together is so, so complex that it's hard to like, it's not like a color panel that you can like start mixing colors together and you get like a new smell. Uh, that's that's kind of not how, how it works. So you indeed would have to, for example, when you when you said about like the, the flower, the rose itself smells different from like the roots, all of those have to be separate, separate. kind of modules right. that give you that kind of scent, which I think for a, for, for, for a game is, I wouldn't say impossible, but like you ha- would have to have a very minimal kind of game in order right. to like, you, for example, the Resident Evil 7 candle, where it gives you like the kind of smell of like a, like a, a rotting house that you can do, but so intricate kind of smells of like specific kind of things is well, it's going to be hard, I think. The, th- the thing that they can still consider is like a, like, a, like a wireless thing that you just put on the table and you're standing right next to it. You know, like it's not instantly going into your nose, but it kind of sprays from a few directions and then you smell it too. That would be kind of like, mm-hmm. because then you would be able to put more into it and make it more. But yeah, for games yeah. and smell, like that's next level. It would, it would be perfect for like, like meditation kind of apps. Like now yeah, you're yeah, at the yeah. beach, you know, just how, you know, the salty sea smells or now you're in a flower field or in a grass field or in a forest. And have those like <laughs> overall environments, I would say, yeah, that's but, that's probably possible and probably and, applicable as well. And you just described uh, the exact scenes that they took us through. There was like a okay. waterfall, a beach, the campfire. Yeah. Like it was it, it, it was all very simplistic, not a lot of yeah. things that can evoke scent scenes. Um mm-hmm. but you're absolutely you're nailing it. There's 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 not really a way to do very complex things. That's why I said there's not gonna be a Skyrim pack at least with this particular technology. That's not to mm. say that they can't continue to develop something like that in the future. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's mixing the sense. I think it's just putting specific sense in the cartridge. So this yeah. this having an application, like is if this is for a business as yes. a party trick, essentially, to say, hey, you know, we're in we're in you're an advertising firm, you're an architecture company. Maybe. And you're like, you bring someone in and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go take you to this forested park and we're going to show you this fantastic house that you're going to sign a contract for several million for us to build. And by the way, you're getting this kick of like, hmm, oaky forest land or whatever. Like, yeah, and that does the deal, right? You know, that's the only place where I can see this really having a a market. Also, also maybe... maybe, Who else is using this? I just am confused. I I think think there are a lot of markets for it. Like, you know, when I spoke about the Efteling, where they had, like, this ride for people who were, you know, uh, that that couldn't ride the ride itself, but there was, like, a virtual reality version of it. So all those smells that you usually have in that ride were translated to the VR version. But that was, like, a big, like, machine that just kind of sprayed it, like, into your face because you were seated. But I do think so. Mm -hmm. And also, like, for example, uh, like a car dealer... Like there's a certain car that isn't out yet, and and they they show you driving through the forest, and they put like a little wind machine on it too. I really think it it does sell the experience or the yeah. you know because the, like memories are also built with 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 you know uh, sense and yeah. stuff. But it is the interesting smell is to one hear of the most important parts of a, of a. But I, but I feel like 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 I'm so intrigued by this whole thing because I feel like this is the first time someone actually gives some insights because we're always laughing about this stuff. But I feel like this is the first time I actually hear some legit stuff, like, you know, a subscription, yeah. like having different like <laughs> modules, having like demos and stuff. And there is like something like I felt like we couldn't take it serious because there was no real business model right. or actually someone selling it. But this sounds 
quite legit to be that's out a of fa- That's a fair it point. Was. I'm just going to say, I would not pay a subscription model to have Eric Hartman do what he did to my nose. Okay? <laughs> I would not that. either. I agree. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, 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 right. I, I, I think, though, that the, just one final mm-hmm. point on, on their model. The, the one yeah. place that they were really focusing on is, like, psychology. So... They had a couple of scenes that were like guided meditations where they have scents that were not familiar scents that you could kind of use as a calming scent, similar to burning incense or something of that nature. Um, and mm-hmm. again, the, the post-trauma thing kind of fascinated me as well. Um, I, I would not want to be immersed in something like that, but I've never experienced that. So maybe it is really a good treatment. I'm no. not sure. That makes, it actually makes, that makes total sense. I, I actually think that as, as medical treatment uh, rehab, essentially, um, for rehabilitating people. I think that's fantastic. We already know that VR has such an impact, coupling this with it. Also, clinics and things like that would pay the money, you know, and have a reason to have these cartridges showing up once a month or once every two months. Um, Only thing that I was going to say there is the dreamer in me, for us, for the rest of us who are gamers, like, I want uh, taste and smell. Uh, I I do want that, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to need to have some kind of minor brain up maybe like what musk has been pushing you know you just get a little slice behind the ear and then you can smell all all the games it's it's funny that you mentioned that because that was the next topic i was going to go into Mm. well here Uh, you go so so brain computer interfaces there is a great panel uh by one of the founders of open bci uh about project galea which, uh, again, if you follow Sadly It's Bradley, you've probably learned more than I learned in the presentation uh, because he is very <laughs> into that kind of stuff. Uh, but mm. they have two different types of brain-computer interface that they're working on. Uh, one that pushes active brain-computer interface, which they showed a couple of very quick demos. One was training a mechanical arm and a mechanical leg to just use uh, micro-gestures and, and brainwave activity to open and close the hand and move the arm up and down and kick and things of that nature. Uh, And the other was a very simple application of driving a cart, uh, like a Mario Kart style game. But they said, you know, this could be translated to actually being able to physically drive a motor vehicle um, for people that don't have use of their arms. Um, And and, and it was just really fascinating to see that level uh, of interface. Um, And it's, it's mostly EEG based. I know Rowdy can explain all of this way better than I can, um, but it was very cool to see that. What the Galea interface, though, is is mostly passive brain-computer interface. So it, it it's it's more of getting the position in the right place so that you can use brainwave activity and it will recognize spikes in certain areas and things of that nature. Uh, so like your gaze, N- nothing intravenous, nothing, no, no it's, yeah, nothing subdermal. It, it, right. Exactly. Um, and, and the one thing that people said is, well, you know, can I just put this on my head and every time it does things the same way? And the answer was no, because mm-hmm. unless your hair is exactly the same length, you put the electrodes or whatever the actual devices end up becoming by the time it comes out on your head in exactly the same places, it's going to be different. It's going to need to be recalibrated every time. Um, they have been testing with about a dozen researchers uh, within their team. Uh, they do have a partnership with Valve, but they're trying to make this very headset agnostic um, so that you'll be able to take their device and map it to AR devices, VR devices, even kind of standalone on its own. Um, 
it's exciting, but they also detailed out risks um, because there are com- specific companies that really would love to have all of your data. Um, mm. I, I think I might have sent you a slide with the, I don't know if you can pull that one up, but that, that shows the different companies um, that were surveyed that, that has it. And, and, and people will recognize some of those companies. Um, but the concern is really around uh, keeping your data yours um, and protecting your life from being invaded by others. What was very interested, though, is that they did a survey of some of their, they have about a thousand people that have signed up to do a beta of this sometime after it releases. And of, of the beta users, they did a survey as part of the beta application. And there were more people concerned about data privacy than mind control. Mind control was like number three mind, of six of, 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 of I, I would be a little bit more concerned if, if a company took control oh my of my mind than mind if they control. have my credit card number, really. Yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, I think mind control is so far off that I right. think it's more realistic, of course, because with when you're registering brainwaves, one of the things that you can do as well is um, figure out if someone has a brain trauma. Uh, those are things that you can actually see, like how far is he in his, in his recovery? Because specific brain waves, you know, they the, the 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 peaks come back later, and there's a there's a lot of information that is kind of in there that I don't I don't know if you want, for example, a company that might sell that data to an insurance agency or something like that. And I think there's serious ethical concerns with uh, reading that kind of data because it's it's health data. It's I'm going to go ahead and summarize this because I've managed to get it up, not in the cleanest of formats, but hey, it's on the screen. Um, So yeah, it shows, but what really matters is who has access uh, to your biometric data. And I just read from the bottom and we'll go up. So at the very bottom, we've got doctor, I think is what that says. Is it a pharmacy? Doctor. Then, uh, so doctor says uh, extremely concerned 10%. Uh, somewhat concerned uh, in, in the blue is probably about 40% of the graph and not concerned is, is, is about half. Now, just I'll ratchet right the way through. So it, it goes from, for the extremely concerned proportion, the next one is insurance, so 22%. Government, 33%. So this is about people being worried about a doctor having access, uh, then about insurance company having access, and then the government, 33%. Amazon, 35%. Uh, Microsoft, 36%. Apple, 37%. Google, 40%, of course. And, of course, Facebook, 50%. <laughs> the whopping they, they haven't focus. They haven't had the opportunity to change that graphic to, uh, to, to Meta. Meta, yeah. Well, <laughs> diff, diff, different company I'm there sur- now. I'm, but... sur- I'm, sur- I'm surprised that the government is still quite low. low. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you've mentioned before, Nathy, that uh, in the Netherlands, people are quite like, um, I, I almost feel like it's like government does witchcraft or something like that. Like there's some some concern there. But aside from definitely giving the finger every so often, you know, American and UK audiences, I, I kind of feel like it probably sits in the right place. Like I, I would be more concerned with well, those top five than, than probably the government uh, necessarily. It's true. It's true. And, and, and also tech companies nowadays seem to have more power than the government. That's exactly why I say, because they have global reach, they have global data, whereas the government's span of control is very personal to you. They can affect, you know, what you pay in taxes, whether or not they give you a hard time. Uh, They can affect your life in a more direct way than the global companies. But 
I don't know. Yeah. Although, yeah. although, like, if you look at the graph, like those, like Apple and everyone else, still falls under the government. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious. <laughs> so, about, yeah. I'm curious about the. Um, I'm curious about the uh, the insurance one being 22%. Like, uh, would you guys be concerned that you know you'd have to pay more for your car or something? I'm just not really confused. Like, <laughs> not, biometric it, data being used against it, you on, on that? Would it be medical? It yeah, be that's probably mostly medical, medical because they could okay. potentially use something that they gather from that data as a pre-existing condition to either raise your rates or uh, deny you services. Um, yeah, so exactly. that's that's yeah, or or even or even worse, not even if it's you, but if they if they, for example, find something, for example, with with DNA, that is a, a big issue as well, uh, where they, for example, could figure out that one of your family members has uh, some kind of genetic condition uh, that is found because of their genetic code, and they mm -hmm. could use that as a as a condition to deny you coverage or to increase your coverage. Uh, so I think that is that is a, a very big concern for me uh, to have those kind of companies get involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. What else, Eric? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do one more VR thing, a couple of AR things very quickly. Uh, so yeah, go I, ahead. I got to try the Vario Aero, uh, oh, which yes. is a beautiful, beautiful, I think Nathan would call it a pleasure for the eyes, and I would agree. Uh, it's It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, it, it, I, I, again, it's, it doesn't really do things differently than other headsets outside of the visual. Uh, but the visual is very stunning. Um, being able to have the clarity on, I, I played Microsoft flight simulator, seeing all the gauges, seeing everything. It felt very, very natural as opposed to mm. when I'm playing in one of my current devices, you've got that kind of, you've got the, uh, screen from these, uh, Screen door effect. You've got yeah. you've got the uh, kind of garbled resolution. Uh, this this is very very good clarity. Um, can't really say much else about it other than it's got very good clarity and it works with Steam VR. It is a thousand nine hundred and something dollars um, <laughs> alone without any tracking. Um, yeah. So there's no tracking, just the headset for that price. Um, they have an awesome software suite also. I don't know if any of you have tried their software suite, but their virtual desktop that you can map into a VR environment, um, not to be confused with virtual desktop, which I use every day, um, but you can pull in the windows to your VR experiences, I think would be great for content creators because you can pull in chat and pull in specific windows and things of that nature to whatever VR thing that you're doing as an overlay in a manner that seems to be a lot smoother than what you get with like a Steam VR overlay or things of that nature. It was very clean and very kind of like pro as opposed to mm. what you get out of so, a box. So so what I'm interested in is because like most companies who make headsets are or from China or from the US. Right. This is a company that is from Scandinavia from was it Norway? I think it was Norway, right? Norwegian? I think they were is Varjo from Vario Norwegian? I think I think they are. I think Might it was Nordics. Uh, I think you were right, but I don't remember yeah, which country. Yeah, but, but like 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 compared to the rest that you tried, like how does it like the presentation, the way they kind of did their stuff? Did it feel different compared uh, to? I would no? I would say they were a lot more so, so they were knowledgeable Finland, yeah. knowledgeable about their product. Everyone in that booth you could talk to, and they could give you the same amount of knowledge. 
or a lot of the other companies, if you if you go to a booth attendant, they're just like, yeah, you can put it on your head. Isn't it cool? Like they, get, they yeah, every yeah, one yeah, of them yeah. could okay, give okay. you the details. I see. I they see. were very passionate and really excited to have people. But you get that with Chinese headsets and other headsets yeah. as well. Um, so that's not really different. And their their presentation was very well organized. They had different stations for each headset. They knew right off the bat when you were going to the booth to ask you which which of these features is most important to you. And they seem mm. to really be, again, it's more of a business-focused company currently. Uh, I don't think a standard consumer is going to buy a Vario headset right now. Mm. Um, and that's okay. But what they're doing is very good for people like car manufacturers, industry, things of that nature. Uh, but their booth was very well organized in that you knew what you were getting into with each of their three headsets that they had on exhibit um, before you were anywhere near the booth. And that was important because sometimes the wait could be hours unless you made an appointment. So it was, it was, it was a big deal to know what you were getting before you go into that experience. You don't get a lot with the Chinese and other. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like, like compared to uh, other companies this year, they were very, they, they have been very clear about like, what are we selling? What are we making? What can you experience ever? So it's like, as you said, before you try it, you know what it's like. I think like, yeah, the headset is great, but the way this company treats customers and consumers and and business is just very nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question that came in chat and, I, and I'm honestly not sure. And that's why I'm going to ask this question back. It says, uh, I wonder if Eric will talk about the activity level around the big meta section, especially compared to say Vario. I want to mention meta did not exhibit at augmented world mm-hmm. expo, at least not the meta that you're probably thinking of. Meta materials was there also meta. <laughs> Um, also another meta company, but crazy, and yeah. and also a company called Campfire, uh, which has a headset coming out that is very similar to the old Meta and Meta Two headsets that do not exist anymore. <laughs> what the heck? Um, it's so confusing. It's so confusing with all these Meta companies. So, is your question around how Vario presents their booth versus like Meta at an exhibition, or is it something related to the hardware itself? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll, I'll, I'll run a little yeah. bit about um, the campfire yeah. headset that you mentioned because it's a, it's an, it's a 3D head for AR, it looks like. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a whopper. I, I actually have a Meta 2 headset, and it's really the same form factor. Um, it, this is one of those headsets I was describing earlier where like to get a bigger field of view, you get a monster of a headset, and that's exactly what this is. They have, I think it's either 92 or 95 degree field of view. Um, it's really, they're focusing on many people having either these devices or other devices in a setting. So there's like this little X that you put on the table and that's your 3d monitor. And then you can bring, bring in other monitors. Uh, so somebody can be looking on a PC, somebody can be using an iPad, somebody can be using a mobile device or another AR device. Um, but you're looking at it and seeing the position from your angle, they're looking at it from wherever they're positioned around this X. Um, and it, it, it's really currently only designed for, or, or, well, designed for designers, uh, for people that are building prototypes, for people that are doing some type of either industrial or creative design. Um, they, It's not a public-facing product yet. They're really just 
people are reaching out to them that they think are a good fit, they'll approve and, and get into their program. But it was good to see that device in the market because the Meta 2 does something differently than the HoloLens and everything that's come after and that it has that wider field of view. Um, and, it, and it also, I don't know if the campfire has this, but the, the Meta had very good hand interactions as well. Mm. Um, I did not, the, the, the campfire has this pack that goes on the back of your mobile device. Um, mm. And then you use the mobile device and it kind of gives it some six off, but not entirely six off. Like you can do the laser pointer stuff and it's much better than like a daydream controller or a gear VR controller, but I'm not mm. sure if it's true six off or if it's just like a specific sophisticated IMU in this little package. Weird. You really get to taste all of Basket Robin's flavors, don't you, at these uh, conventions? Yes. You get to see uh, it, it's true. everything that goes under the carpet or doesn't make mainstream. Well, well that's mainstream what I'm saying, because this VR. this this is News. definitely not mainstream. Like, the yeah. last thing we're talking about now is, like, I, I, like I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've seen this somewhere, but <laughs> because you never hear about it, you're like, okay, yeah, click next. Uh, right. But it does sound interesting. Is this, like, the things, like, what you said before, it's like you... You have to try these obscure headsets or glasses and then you're like wow but this is amazing like th these are the use cases. this is what you can do with it um well and and that's the great part about going to conventions because you can just go to the to the to the dusty corners right. and be like hey i want to try this and people are like oh yeah this is cool you know the, the interesting yeah. thing is like all of these products i could see different use cases they're they're not yeah you don't buy this, yeah, yeah, no. this the one size fits all product out of any of these products that, that I, no. I got to try. Um, one that was kind of more one size fits all was the Vive Focus 3. Um, yeah. And they, they made some pretty big announcements around AWE. I don't know if it was actually at AWE where they've now extended play spaces to be very, very large. Um, they, they said theoretically it can be as large as 1,000 square meters. Um, that's oh not, not, that's, not 100 yeah. either. I even clarified, do you mean 100? They said, no, 1000 square meters. Um, and in large, like warehouse scale spaces and smaller, you can also map out one. I don't know what they call it. If they call it chaperone or guardian, or if they have their own term. Um, but you can make one map of that room. Um, and you can make it in whatever shape you want to, and then you can deploy that to many headsets through a piece of software. So it's similar to like in IT, if you're deploying antivirus to all of your clients' PCs, mm. you can push a button and you can deploy that map to all of those devices. It's gearing towards like arcades mostly. Exactly, yes. Definitely yeah. definitely more t targeted toward LBE or, uh, well, the device itself, I think is still considered enterprise. Um, but yeah. it's it's a... It's it's a very intelligent thing to do, and I'm not sure why it hasn't happened before to have that yeah, shared surprised. map. Uh, because yeah. especially when, when we were setting up Space Pirate Arena, uh, every time I played in a shared co-location experience, it was so hard to get it even close to mapped with that other player because you have to do it independent on each device. And this way mm -hmm. to just deploy across multiple, I, I think, is going to be a godsend for especially LBE um, location-based experiences are going to be exhibited at, I think it's called the IAAPA next week, which is uh, a yeah. amusement park and arcade 
conference. I believe it's in Florida, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and there's there's one that's going to be exhibited for sure there that was designed as part of the kind of like closed beta of this new program that they launched this week. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, and you and you were you were telling me earlier that you got a chance to play with their fl- with the flow as well from Vive. Yes. I mean, what did that? How did that compare? Um, to the focus or in general? Yeah, I'm just curious. Headset to headset, and so, and because your it's 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 its own product. Really, yeah, so. it, it it's really it, it's it's independent from everything else that they've done so far. Um, it really does kind of harken back to the days of the Go and prior. Um, but I really like the fact that they've got the diopter adjustment, so that for most users you can take your glasses off, um, and it's a very small form factor. So it's unique in that. You could probably, I can't say everyone because everyone's head is a different shape still, even with this device, but you could, most users will probably be able to go like this, put it on their face and then use it for hours at a time. Um, One of the things that they focused on is they wanted something that would be comfortable when you're lying down. I know you and I have had conversations about like VR experiences while lying down and and how certain straps and certain things make it impossible to do that. And the way that they have kind of the open back with the Vive Flow makes that very practical. So they're thinking about people that are aged or in even assisted mm-hmm. living places and things of that nature with this device, as well as like guided meditation, kind of chill out experiences as opposed to active experiences. I know I was talking to one of their representatives and they said one of the first demos they did, somebody was like, well, where's the gun game? And they were kind of missing the point of this particular device, but the way that they rolled it out, to be fair, was very confusing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It 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 didn't really say what our market is. I think one of the things that they talked about was ASMR, VR ASMR. Like that's not something you can uh. care or grasp about. So um, it was it was very. I liked it a lot. I was actually really impressed with it. Um, I'm probably gonna either pre-order one or talk to them about like getting more demo time with one uh, because I only had a limited time with it. It uses your phone as a controller. Uh, In fact, they even call it a PAC, like that's their internal term for it in a way that is slightly different than like if you use it with an AR device or, or a gear VR style thing, you, they actually have it so that you're using two fingers on the device at a time in a lot of their controls and you can do different gestures and things of that nature using the phone screen. So it's a bit better than the controller. Some of you may have used like the Vive Focus that they had. that had kind of the almost daydream style controller. Yeah, it's, it's more refined actually on the phone screen, which surprised me because I thought phone screen having different places on the screen and things of that nature would make it harder. They really mapped it more toward how many fingers and where the finger is rather than a specific placement on the screen. And that worked pretty well. Very nice. It's, it's not like, it's nice to hear like, because I like, maybe it's also because we're in a certain bubble. It's like, I don't hear that many people who tried this, who bought one or like, you can't, you can't buy one right now. Uh, you you can pre-order it. Order. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they have actually started shipping the, ship the, fir- the first, the first batch shipped out. People started receiving them this week. Um, so, so there are, there are a handful, I would say out, I don't know how many they sent at at the, in the first batch. Um, but there are some people that have just started receiving them from that first pre-order. Uh, I will say the, the pre-order initially 
came with like a little carrying case. I don't know that I would ever actually need the carrying case because this is a pretty small device. Uh, one of the guys was, had it in his suit coat pocket and just kept pulling it out. Like it's okay. it's really yeah. compact. Um, so I don't I don't know if I'd use that. It looked kind of almost like a thermos. The, the case that they that they were yeah, selling yeah, yeah. with it. Yeah, I don't it know. does kind of look like a, um, yeah. that. No longer ships with it. If you, if you pre order, that's a separate accessory. I think it's fifty nine dollars. Um, it's also, I don't know if I mentioned price of the Vive flow is four ninety nine. I think we talked about it when we talked about the links. Um, yeah. so it, it is more expensive by far than something like an Oculus go, um, for still kind of the three off experiences, but the headset itself is six off. You can walk around and experiences. Um, they are adding hand tracking. They were not very specific as to what type of hand tracking it has black and white pass through. Um, similar to other live products have what they have today. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I really, I, I think there will probably one day be either a successor device or something iterative from that, that has color pass through that has better hand tracking and in that form factor that will be a device that really wows people. Yeah. This yeah. felt kind of like, a step back, two steps forward. I won't, I don't want to say two steps back because it, it actually for a particular market is, is going to be really good. Um, whether that be, uh, an education sector, a wellness sector, or yeah. th their focus on the aged people who, who need that distraction. I, I, I want them to get good with it because I, I would love to have like an ayahuasca or a sound space done in that form factor uh, it, it would sell me on the device i think there are a lot of people who want to buy this and would want to pay this amount of money but they completely downplay their own device by not having the right sales pitch to right. consumers nor businesses and and that that's i think that's the problem of this headset but also the focus 3 the the pro all those headsets that they make, and it kind of bites them in their own, uh, you know, butt in, in that yeah, sense. For sure. For uh, and sure. that's a shame because I, I like what you're saying here. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting interested again in the Vive Flow. Well, first I was like, yeah, like first you need to like tell me why I should try this, you know, why mm -hmm. I should experience this. Yeah, and this is totally off. Go ahead. I was going to say this is totally off topic, but Eric made an amazing pre-podcast comment that I have to share with the world, which is that <laughs> Nathie's shirt... Reminds him of the PlayStation VR tracking camera. And <laughs> I can't unsee that. And, and now I have given that gift unto you. Uh, there you go. Uh, but, Was there but, uh, yeah. anything else uh, in, on the conference that you really want to highlight? Uh, um, the, I, I just want to speak to a panel that I unfortunately did not get the, the opportunity to okay. attend. Um, there was a gentleman actually the founder of the, the, the creator of the uh, HoloLens uh, who, who had a panel and I, I believe his, I, I, I am terrible with names. I apologize. It's, it's Avi. I think it's bar or something of yeah, that nature. He's, uh, um, but Avi bar yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Bar I got it. Yeah. Um, and his panel was about uh, the, the metaverse and how it, it's mostly crap. Um, and, it, and he, he broke it down in a way that was very easy to understand. Back in the 90s, the, the term that was the buzzword was cyberspace. Oh, yeah. Now, when you talk about cyber, you're either talking about cyber sex or cybersecurity. 
Nobody really uses the <laughs> term cyberspace cyber anymore. Uh, so cyber as a term changed over time. Um, and now everybody's using the term metaverse. Um, except for me. <laughs> I will never be using that term except for right now in this conversation. Um, and he said, you know, that's also going to kind of fall away. He said, versing might be what you do when you're playing a multiplayer game. But like the metaverse is really a number of things coming together, mostly based around internet infrastructure and building on top of it. Um, but but the key to me, the, the thing that was very silly is something that he took from someone else, either on Twitter or on another social media platform, was the whatevers, which is um, whatever you want it to be, but just tell me exactly what it, it what it does and how I should be involved or something of that nature. And it, was just, it really stuck with me. I thought it was really funny. So, so, so he he's basically also saying that he thinks that this name will in the end fail. Yeah, right? it, it, because, or uh, become because the thing metasex and meta security. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I, 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 I like the thing. That's already thing, happening, man. Yeah, Both because of those. The, because the thing I always wonder is because if a tech giant so big as Facebook Meta uh, is is using it, it there is no way it can fail. You know what I mean? Where you can put so much advertisement on billboards on TV, like like soon they're gonna imprint it into our minds with mind control and stuff. But there is no way. <laughs> That, that you can't say it's called meta first, you know what I'm I mean? I'm just going to test that theory for a second. <laughs> okay. All right, Nathy, describe to me what is Betamax? Uh-huh. Betamax? Uh, like, I don't know why, but I... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't so know. similar to HD you, uh... DVD, it was the, it was the, the failure in a two-class run both mm. of which were heavily marketed. And you would say, you would probably would have said at the out, outset, you're like, these two are going to be there for the long term. And it's always been the case that one of these two has failed. Eric, can you tell us which one won? VHS. VHS, mm. which might still be d- difficult for Nathy, which well, is the... Well, now I know, but uh, the yeah, Betamax tapes, sounds right? like super uh, random. I, I thought for a moment that Betamax was the maximization of your beta parameters in an algorithm, but okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just me thinking. on speed dial. <laughs> Rowdy's also like, correct. Why, why would Nathy notice? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick on you, Nathy, for that one, because no, no, it's old, it, yeah. is the reason. Yeah. But, no, but yeah. it, like, like the, the thing is, I, I, don't really, I don't really care if it's going to be called Metaphors, The Grid, or uh, Ready Player One stuff, you know, VR Oasis. It's just that I don't want anyone to claim a name. That, right. That's all, you know? Um, mm. So if this, if this guy is right or not, um, I, I do like his approach of also saying, like, you know, you make uh, wh- whatever, you know? It, it's yours to share, yours to... No uh, experience, and I'm actually going to toss whatever verse. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to toss verse. his companion article, a link to it in chat on YouTube. Uh, so if folks want to take a look at that after the show. Um, it's it's in there. You can scroll back. Trust me, it'll right, still be great. there. Great, Eric. Cool. Thank thank you so much for sharing your uh, your your. Yeah thoughts on the current state and like uh the things that you saw on awe uh, if people want to follow you where they sh- where should they where they sh- should they head over you where can they find you uh, so there's two main places you can find me on twitter i am at e minus e-m-i-n-u-s and on youtube i make lots and lots of videos you can find me at youtube.com slash eric hartley um 
happy to have conversations anywhere too. So if 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 you go to one of these conferences, you'll probably find me. Absolutely. All right. Best right. De- best description of a channel ever. <laughs> I make videos. <laughs> go check it out. I do. That's it's, what I do on YouTube. I make videos. Right. I make yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, no. Not a lot of audio. <laughs> All right, great. I drop pictures. Uh, so, so before I hand it over to uh, to Zim to talk about the releases, I have uh, a word about our final sponsor. That is uh, Synth Riders. Uh, now, Synth Riders is a is a is a great, fantastic rhythm game from the team over at Cluj Interactive. Uh, they now also have a new mode available, which is already free if you already own the game. The, this mode is called Spiral Mode. It's a mind-bending new way to play Synth Riders like you never did before. Spiral Mode has three different intensities, each of which gives you um, more powerful turns and increases uh, the challenge in general. Uh, you can enjoy this new mode in every song and difficulty. Uh, use it in uh, use it also with most modifiers and also in all areas, including even multiplayer. So check out Synth Riders and their new mode available now on Oculus Quest, PSVR, and PCVR headsets. A link to the Quest version you can find in the description down below. That mo- I got to comment on that. That mode, that spiral mode, is ridiculous. I <laughs> I thought it looked kind of like ah, I could do that. No, nope. it's hard, man. It's hard. You got to work your midriff at the same time as you're like thinking about these colored balls coming at you and you're supposed to like lean with the thing rotate it's freaking nuts man I, it's have you tried many. have you tried all different difficulties already because they have three different no, intensities no i'm talking about easy i'm talking <laughs> about easy and normal like it is not obviously um obviously eric has tried this but oh my god what was your thought then eric you if you play it uh, I got through about a song and a half and I couldn't do any more. I was kind of starting to get in pain from it. It's, it's very, very hard. Like, and and I, again, on easy, I was even playing pretty slow paced songs and it was mm-hmm. hard. But it, wow. I, I, I do applaud them though for, for, for continuing to expand the game even with that added challenge. I'm sure there are people that probably really enjoy it. Yeah, for er- sure. Eric, Eric Hardly. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, can't, I <laughs> no, cannot. No, we're I, not going there. I, I don't <laughs> play anything on hard mode. Um, I, I play everything in story Eric, Eric mode easily. or easy. Yes. Eric um, easily. I never, I never, yes. I never noticed that your your last name is a difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly Eric. Anyway. Um, with that being said, we're gonna hand it over to Zim to kind of find out what is what is what is on our agenda next week. What what do we have to look out for? Oh man, I I am so happy about releases this week. Uh, it's silly. So the first one of these, which is dropping on November 9th, is a lovely PC VR title. By the way, I'm not taking this one seriously at all. This is specifically for Mike because I ran across it. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's called Virtual Cup. And it is what virtual cup? Virtual cup. A um, cup. Step step into the shoes <laughs> of a New Zealand police officer. Search for forensic evidence. Connect with the community and catch offenders in this immersive 3D experience. I, I, I I'm not joking. This is um, absolutely brilliant. I mean, virtual cop. <laughs> he he is needs to play this. The best Can thing you that I've seen. People that haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. So so I mean they talk about catching offenders in, in in 3D, solve cases, meet your community, search for evidence, either VR or PC. The oh best part for me from the developer side 
is that this is how they describe the game in the warning section. They say this game contains images of real firearms in the hands of trained New Zealand police officers. I just okay. really found that tickling. But what's even better is the comment section. So <laughs> three, three comments I'm going to run you through. Cucumber86 says, 10 out of 10 for realism. Spent 90% of the time giving out tickets for going five above the speed limit. <laughs> Katzan says, had to stop playing at the part where you were forced by your superior to put down an old police dog because it outlived its usefulness to the police force. These are obviously New Zealand residents, right? The, thir the third and final one, best of the bunch for sure, was I was moved to tears by the domestic disturbance case, in which case a man beat the wife, and you also had to beat the wife in order to get her to admit that her husband was beating her. This is an intense, real experience and shows you the true meaning of why our brave men and women of the NYZ, or sorry, the NZEDPD do every day. Oh my god, I want to see videos of this game now. Oh, yeah, I do, I do also want to. I'm, oh. I'm, yeah, I am actually intrigued by this game. <laughs> oh my days. So that this is, is virtual This is why you want the Vario uh, arrow for, for this kind of this stuff. This game, exactly. Yeah, this is this is why it's made. It's this definitely it's the winner for. here. I, I can't even. I didn't even I know they had a police force in New Zealand. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> people were just generally yeah, friendlier down there. Yeah, that's like a, like I thought it was like a neighborhood watch or something. And that's it. Uh, <laughs> no, I want Mike to play this seriously. I want him to uh, play this. The, the thing is, they have a budget, right? They have a budget for they this stuff. They have a budget. Yeah. They've created a VR and PC game, like. I don't understand. I just, it's just don't to understand. excite people to join the force, like they did with America's Army game, you know. Where I suppose that's I, it. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for those who don't know, America's Army came out um, quite a while back, where you know a substantial portion of American taxpayer money went into building three different first-person shooter games to yeah, incentivize, really games, by the way, you know, people who were like sixteen to twenty-two to sign up for the for for the army. Which, yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. That, that that was the treat for today, okay? Serious oh from here on days. in. No more That's giggles. That's the best thing ever. No more giggles. All right. Wow. Uh, and speaking of very serious games, right? We're going to we're, we're going to talk about This one wasn't serious? No. Okay. About one of one of my previous favorites, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, which is coming as we had before, surprisingly to Quest 2, and that's oh, landing wow. on November 15th. Now, um I just wanted to mention, by the way, that Virtual Cop game is free, right? So Oh, it's play. free. That was free, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, th this, however, is not, right? So so you, you can play that one for free. This one's going to cost you $40 and around about 30 pounds. Um, so developer Respawn, Respawn brought about a, um, an, a, a kind of an arcadey World War II shooter. Um, mm. But it but it is it is in given in, in two very important parts, right? It's got a, a pretty astounding single-player campaign. Um, it took a lot of flack when it landed on PC for a number of very good reasons. Um, one of those, one of those, of course, being the space, the capacity that it required, something like 300 gigabytes. And honestly, on Quest, where it's launching, it's probably going to have similar gripes because uh, it's in excess of, of 50 gig that it takes up on your Quest. So it's going to be a difficult thing to fit on there if you're on a 64 gigabyte headset. Um, that said, the second part of this that I think is very important, and I know Nathy has been a... a um, uh, a choir boy uh, since the very beginning singing the beauty song, beautiful song of multiplayer in this game which is it is a very astounding well-developed multiplayer great guns beautiful levels very well detailed I'm very curious to see how that gets stripped back 
request. Like how much well, of that scene is going to still be present when yeah, we get it? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. There are people actually walking around in a maps. <laughs> and that's the yeah. thing that is going to make it succeed. Is there, is there any chance that this will be crossplay? No, right? It, it is, is not, not crossplay, but no, interestingly, it is cross buy right. and it is selling on yeah. Quest for less money, which means you, if you want the PC version, don't buy the PC version, buy the Quest ah. version, and you get the PC one for free, which is the higher detail and all of that. That's so if you've held off until now, I will again say this is in my top five. I really, really like this game. If you like kind of a dumb action game, which has got <laughs> silly characters, not ones that you really take, you know, you would, you the, wouldn't fall you in love the, with them. Gerbils, you mean? The Gerbils. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or Ollie, Ollie, Ollie and the Gerbils. <laughs> Ollie and the Gerbils. Sounds like we're making up bands yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. How yeah, many yeah. albums do you buy, Nathan? <laughs> How many vinyls? No. <laughs> you got to no, come up with that. Seriously, like, um, watch our show back where uh, we oh. first uh, discussed Medal of Honor because, <laughs> because uh, Zim said it was his game of the year. I love it. And we were like, what the heck are you even talking about? Yeah. Like, seriously, watch it back. It's great. No, it's great. And it, I think, it, I still think it's relevant till this day. Agree. Because, well, it's going to be yeah. the same game, right? So all yeah, of the comments the that we made there, and it was very, it was good. It was a very heated conversation, very bipolar, right? Two different, very completely different do, kind do of sides think... and opinions. And I think it's important for people to kind of understand if they're yeah, going to yeah, yeah. lay down the money, uh, what they're getting. Honestly, right now, I think it fits at a great point like this this launch makes 10 times more sense than the previous launch uh, and i say that because for example things like resident evil just dropped and people mm. will have you know like a smorgasbord eaten all that up and been like oh man you're giving me good stuff you know oculus or meta can i please have more um <laughs> and this is this is part of that more i think i think if you've just finished off resident evil heck yeah. jump over to this although, and have a good time although the big difference is this is a game built from the ground up for vr good point so and it shows yeah 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 it does show so great <laughs> so that one's that's that's number two we get that one out of the way now um for number three this one might be a surprise to some of you um and i i'm, I'm kind of reluctant to say that i think in the last three years uh, since its original release uh, windlands 2 has kind of dropped off the radar um but this is landing for our PSVR fans who until date have been stuck playing the original windlands what? and windlands 2 is now coming three years later. It right? wasn't on November 26th. <gasps> was not on PSVR. Yeah, can, no. yeah, isn't that surprising? So it's taking them this time to basically get the port together and get it onto that platform. So are the Easter eggs in there? The are there Easter where... eggs in there? Oh, you. <laughs> so in the in the P, I don't know. I actually was thinking that myself. Um, in in the PC build, you can find like F Reality references. You can even find PSVR Frank. Uh, Nathy's there, Rowdy, you know, I'm, I've got a little temple, <laughs> actually, you a temple shrine. if you can find freaking it, it's freaking hard to find those, but, um, yeah, absolutely, have a look, but it is a really astounding, um, game, it's a first-person grappling hook exploration game, you can play it multiplayer, I actually find the multiplayer to be a wonderful swing averse um, <laughs> given we're just adding verse to everything today, um, and swing it's, verse. the bosses in it are really quite fun like coming on to the first then second then third bosses even if you're doing it alone i would say try to take it on a slightly higher difficulty i, I actually played it and completed it on hardcore 
I would go one notch down from the toughest would be my recommended setting for the perfect kind of Windlands 2 gameplay experience. Hardest mode, the hardcore, is a bit repetitive, especially when it comes to the tougher bosses. Like you'll be sat there for 45 minutes grinding and you, you just won't have as much of a fun time. But the game is very well made. And um, for those of you who've been begging for it on PSVR, now you can have it. I'm expecting it to be around probably 30 bucks, which is the around the price of the PC um, game at the moment. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the price. Um, but, but does this, uh, yeah, of course, we like they can't confirm this, but let's say this seems to be also ready for the next gen PlayStation and they kind of release it now, but they seem to be, I think, working on the, the, the next version too. So they're launching it so they can kind of, you know, bug test some stuff and kind of have it already on there to then say like, oh, we got a remaster. Look at us. Fancy, fancy. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that's the case, because why Why do you release it now? I mean, it's kind of random so, to me. It is definitely random timing, right? Like uh, to, to release three years later and then come to PSVR. Super um, Nerd X brought up uh, this needs to come to Quest. I, I do want to mention Windlands, the original is now available on App Lab. Um, so if you search for Windlands Quest, uh, I don't have the direct link, but that will take you to their App Lab listing. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in Windlands 2 um, and you only have a Quest, you can at least pick up the original game. It is not... There's no multiplayer. Uh, the, the bosses and things of that nature aren't... like. There's, there's not as much combat and that types of things, but it's yeah. got that swing-averse... Uh, that Zim was mentioning, and it, it, it is also a swing lot of fun. Verse. It's more parkour. It's yes. like swinging in parkour. I love the original Windlands. Like, I, I think it's the perfect bite-sized game. I, I really enjoy it. Um, Windlands 2 brought in combat, brought in a bow, um, which feel really great, and the characters feel kind of like anime-esque. And, and I like that they filled it out. I mean, they're both very different games. Uh, yeah. One is quite, Windlands 1 is quite zen. Windlands 2 is like action adventure, you know, with a multiplayer attack on. So if you've got some buddies, come along for that. Speaking of that, I got two uh, brief mentions, uh, things that didn't make my cut this, uh, this week, but um, I think will also interest some of you. So the first one is Iron Rebellion. Uh, for those of you who are fans of like Vox Machina, uh, which is a mech game in VR, again, a couple of years old, very well polished, excellent experience. This is maybe its first uh, alternative that I've seen in that space. Now, at the moment, it's just a one versus one mech combat game. It's only being developed by two devs, and it is still very much an early access game. Uh, that is that is echoed uh, many times over in the comments there on Steam, uh, where you can pick this up for 15 bucks or uh, 11 pounds. So I would I would I would definitely suggest if you're into mech stuff. Um, you might want to check out Vox for now and kind of wait for this one to simmer a little bit more from what I've seen of it, what I've read of it. Um, I haven't played it yet myself, but I do intend to jump in at some point. So are you guys mech fans or yes, not yes. really your thing? The one thing I would say that's a detail here, which Vox doesn't do very well, is it has mappings uh, for HOTAS Oops. setups. Which So HOTAS, gamepad, whatever you want, controller-wise, that's smart because that... Anyone who who wants to sit in their cockpit and mm. drive a mech probably has it has a stick. Yeah, and it it, it is. Uh, they had an alpha, public alpha, and and a. I, I don't know if beta was alpha or closed um, mm. with multiplayer. And it, it it is as you mentioned, really still pretty early access, but it is a lot of fun as well. And yeah. it, at, at that price point, I'd say if you're into that kind of stuff, 
it's worth a gamble. It really is. Exactly. And that's why I, that's why I decided to mention it. There's a whole bunch of games launching around mid-month um, and that have already passed us by, which I'm not mentioning here, just simply they just didn't make my cut. But uh, chat, by all means, if you're having fun with something, um, you know, drop it into chat. The last thing I wanted to remind, and this is a repeat from last time, is that um, if you're a PSVR owner, right, and you and you are subscribed to PlayStation Plus, you can get three games uh, this month for free. I don't want you to miss that. So that's why I'm going to mention it again. Those are Until You Fall, The Persistence, which I'm showing, and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. So all those three for free on PlayStation Plus. Definitely would incentivize me to maybe restart my subscription. Those are going to be available until the 7th of December. So, um, you know, get in there quick and don't miss those this month. That's it for our releases. Just a quick recap. That was Virtual Cop for free on Steam. Definitely play that one, lads. Uh, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond on Quest and Windlands 2 coming a little bit later in the month. Interesting. So, so one thing that I that I found very interesting in the comments and I didn't think about this is that we haven't seen much uh, advertised for Medal of Honor for Quest. Mm. Uh, well, but maybe it's because they're still trying to get all the videos out from Resident Evil, all the yeah. 200 videos that they have, yeah, because they, they keep on posting those like like five a day of like, oh, did you know this? Did you know that? But um, yeah, it is surprising. But yeah, this is, a, this is a, as we said, a, a kind of realistic game. So World War II is not something to necessarily be like, hey, fancy, and uh, we got this game. And maybe they're kind of careful with... But it is surprising for sure. I don't know why. Maybe they're going to do it when it comes out and then, I don't know. I, I, I have no I, idea. I was in a retail location, the, uh, actually several recently, because I've been doing a lot of commuting to go to this conference. And what I've noticed is there is a substantial number of Quest 2 and Quest 2 accessories at every one of the places that stock it, at least here in the States. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of signage for Resident Evil 4. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's over the top almost it how much the advertisement top. there is. They they really bet on this as their big thing. Yeah. Also, this Christmas it's going to be... Yeah, but Medal of Honor isn't uh, the most popular yeah, it, thing it's either. It's like so they, I, they put their eggs in the Capcom yeah. baskets. Definitely. They definitely <laughs> did that. Yeah, that's an understatement. I, I actually really... So this is one of the things we, we, we tend to miss um, on, this, on this show, but I, I really appreciate that feedback about brick-and-mortar shops. Because there was also the rumor that they were going to push into brick and mortar shops and help kind of uplift their presence in that space. I have mixed feelings about that. Me I'm too. not sure. I think you put a lot of money in there, you'll get a ripple of an effect. Um, I think they're like the like the podcast has been saying. Um, you bring the software, people will then buy headsets for right. the software. So I do think RE4 is. If you were going to make one bet this season, I do think that's smart. I, I yeah. don't think that setting up shop, uh, you know, in 100 locations across, for example, the North America right. is going to really help the situation that much. They're going to be mostly abandoned. People exactly. won't want to go into that shop, especially post-COVID. I just, I don't think that's a strategy they should really consider deeply, but let's see where it goes. Yeah. All right. I think that's, well, we've gone way over time, but, uh, you oh. know, that's, uh, that usually happens. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us in the chats and on the live stream, uh, Really appreciate all the time. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on this show to give your uh, experience and your uh, your feedback on the kind of things that you tried on AWE. Uh, we go live every, uh, well, bi-weekly, basically it is, right? Like every two weeks we go, we go live uh, once at yeah, 6 p.m. in the UK, 7 p.m. in Europe, and 1 p.m. for me, Eastern Standard Time. Um, <laughs> thank you so much all for joining, and uh, we'll hope to see you all next week. 
I hope I did a decent job. If I did two weeks from now. Yeah, yeah, two weeks from now. Two weeks. Uh, you, I did, hope it, you did, Rowdy. You held the ship. Thank you. Yeah. Good ship captain. If not, fear not. Mike will be back next episode. <laughs> fear not. <laughs> All right. See y'all. Bye-bye.